You're listening to the Opie and Anthony channel on Sirius XM. The Ron and Fez show starts. Come on. Now!
Okay, let's get down to it, boppers. It's around the Fed Show on a Thursday, the only day of the week that we tell, tell you to take a little time and think about Thor. The day is named after him. Love him. Thirsty Thor's day. His father is Zeus. I thought it was Odin. Whatever. The point is, totally different. It's all made up. Totally different cultures. Why? Two made up things. Nordic. And Roman, or Greek, rather. Okay, let's see a struggle. Nordic and Greek. Let's see you not believe in yourself. That's the important thing. Oh, I believe in number one. Pissing? Oh, definitely. And yeah. myself. Disgusting if you drink it. All right, it's the Ryan and Fez show. So much uh, coming up today uh, that I wanted to stop in here. A little early record. Here's what I want to do during this recording. The point is this. We're all together in the world. Uh, coming up a little later on in the show, we're going to talk about the actor Bruno Kirby. One of my favorite actors in the world. I have a tendency to love the, the character actors, particularly the ones that do a lot of comedy. And I think Bruno Kirby is the king of them all. He lost his life suddenly in his... I guess mid to late 50s, um, but and I don't know what the disease was that came upon him. Chris, you know from medical school exactly what happened. What was it? Um, yeah, well, he... Um... He um what? <laughs> um seems to be the number one word around here. No, it's not. It's, 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 it's definitely it's fucking third or fourth. Leukemia. It was leukemia. <laughs> oh. Complications. Yeah, I know complications. It wasn't. He wasn't doing better and died. Complications related to the leukemia. Yeah, it's He's a bad thing. Fifty-seven. Jesus. It kills me because this is a guy that I always just adored. Now, uh, Chris, your contest. Yeah. I wanted to announce the winner of that contest, but we still do not have one. Jesus Christ! Hopefully, by the end of the show today. We will have one. You're giving out how many questions? Uh, how many prizes? I'm giving out seven prizes. Now, see, I, wa I want to give these prizes out. I want people to have a fucking stack of prizes so they impress all their friends and loved ones. All they got to do is ident identify seven different films, and they get seven different prizes. Uh, and let's take a listen to this. You know the seven, don't you, that you can't say on television? Shit. Piss. Fuck. Cut. Motherfucker! Tits. Every one of those words that you can't say on TV comes from another film. Let's take one more listen. You know the seven, don't you, that you can't say on television? Shit. Piss. Fuck. Cut. Cocksucker. Motherfucker! Tits. I know one of those is The Bells of St. Mary's. Right. It's one of my favorite films you know what? of all time. It, I, it, I rule that one out. It's not that film. It's that none of those drops are from it. I'll just. I'm right now. I'm back to zero again. <sighs> some a few in there that are very identifiable. I get a message that says Fez has to leave, and then I never really heard of anything else. I don't know whether he has to leave, 
or they want him to leave, or he needs something. Today is a uh, crazy day. But, Hicks, you came up to, uh, with a story that makes me feel a little better. You say dementia is down. Yeah, dementia is uh, down. Uh, researchers have found that because people are being are getting better educated and are uh, just health is better overall around the world in developed countries, that... People's brains are less. It's gone down twenty five percent. Cases of dementia have but, gone down twenty five percent. But here's the thing: the other, you know, people, educated people, have gotten dementia before. Yeah, it's kind of a deteriorating of the brain. As you know, I'm somewhat nervous about this because I had a grandmother who had Alzheimer's, and I can see the terror that goes into that. It seems to me, quite frankly, uh, to be. Uh, worse than anything else that you... It was worse than death. Oh, Fez, do you have an appointment that you have to make? Yeah. All right, go ahead. All right. Because, you, you you know, you're going to be crushing in the second part of this. Uh, but uh, Fez had to go down and check a couple of appointments. But he's still always on the ball. But uh, educated people have had this before. College... Mm -hmm. Uh, professors, brain surgeons, on and on and on. It's not totally cured, but because uh, people generally, education's rising among everyone, the, the rates are going down. It's actually. But got why would you think education would beat it if uh, learned people have gotten this before? I think because just no matter what, if you just use your fucking mind more, if you're more educated, I guess, or if you you tend to learn more as you go on later in life, you're going to be using your brain more so that it'll still keep off any sort of dementia. I don't, I, I don't think that you understand what I'm trying to tell you. People, academics, yeah. who study and write books have gotten this. Uh, Ronald Reagan was the president of the United States. And got this. So these are learned people. These are people who have challenged their their mind. I don't know if I believe in it for that. Now, my father always had a theory that my grandmother had worked in this plastics company, and it was a thing that actually made the tops for um, toothpaste. And he thought being on that line, that somehow some of that plastic and whatever, yeah, whatever it was, uh. had done that to her. Um, but she was of the generation, you know, she'd be well over 100 years old today if she was still alive. But she was under the generation that, like, left seventh grade. Oh, shit. In second grade, she worked in the, in the mills, in the factory. My great-grandmother was the same way. That's the Irish nice. were taken out of school and put to work. Just go to the factory, you got to make money for the family. Yeah. And a lot of times uh, in the mills... They would want little girls to be there because with the threads and stuff, their little fingers were nimble to get stuff that you didn't want adult. Dude, it happens today. It's just, it's happening to Chinese children, so that doesn't bother you as much. No. But it happened here in New York City. You look up your, uh, your city's history, and there were sweatshops all over New York City in the last century. There's probably sweatshirts, sweatshops around New York City today. Yeah, I'd believe that. Asian sweatshops. 
Fez will be back in a couple of minutes, by the way. He just had to run down for this appointment. Hope so. I'm worried. And then you're going to get him full tilt one more time. Just drilling? Bringing it. Just fucking drilling that shit? Making you it watch, blow up? Fez is going to be all over the Bruno Kirby bit that we do later. <laughs> Leslie uh, Coffin is coming in to do that. She writes a uh, bunch of the stuff that you'll see up on the iBank. She wrote some of this stuff today. Uh, if you'd ever like to be part of that, contact the editor at the iBang or me or Fez, because we love the fact that it's a place uh, that listeners can get involved in. I know Brian Baker uh, scheduled for the Unmasked today or tomorrow. Which um, one? Today. Today. And then uh, also Kyle's supposed to stop by by Monday. These are guys who always find a lot of great stuff for the entire bang for us. So if you'd like to be part of that, Right to the editor at the uh, Terra Bank. Uh, Leslie started to do stuff uh, for us, and now she uh, stopped by with her last book, and now with this, and um, you, know, you end up making friendships out That's of this. Fucking really cool. I think of Leslie as a friend. I think you're the, uh, I actually feel closer to her than I do to Chris Stanley. Oh, I've been here for like seven years. So physically, far. you've been here. Yeah. But mentally, have you been here? Yes. Yes, I have. No offense to Leslie, but come on. I've been here a while. Get a little long in the tooth. You are. You're like an old couch, an old comfortable couch. Like, yeah, there's a spring in my back, but still, it's the old couch. That's how I feel about you, Chris Stanley. That, that's, well, that's flattering either. Well, can I say something, or do you not want to hear it? Uh, say it. Say it. I, maybe I need to hear it. I honestly think that you're one of the finest young people working in radio today, oh. and I think uh, that nothing, you, no matter how well you do in radio, yeah. it will not surprise me. I predict it. If anything, yeah. all you could ever do is disappoint me oh, with your career and your life. See, the first part was so nice. The second part... But I mean it. I consider I consider that you could just... Like an infinite amount of possibilities. That's awesome. And unless I see you meet those, I'm yeah. going to know that you're a slacker. Oh, Jesus. Now I've just... I got, fuck, I got things to live up to now. You do. God damn it. You're like Johnny Football. You're my Johnny Football. Well, I got to get off Bourbon Street then, pounding those fucking hand grenades. Speaking of football and how tough it can be, how you can go from the top to the bottom, and this always makes me sad, they came and they repossessed the home of Dante Culpepper. It's up on the iPad oh, today. Oh, Jesus Christ. Football, Football's so fucked up. It just These guys just fucking make no money for just destroying themselves. Or in his case. He actually made a lot of money, but... <laughs> It just doesn't keep coming in. <laughs> well, remember his career got cut a little short, but what was he with the Vikings in, was it 99 they had that season they only lost one game? Uh, yeah. They were maybe the greatest team never to win a Super Bowl. That was pretty ridiculous. They got beat by the Dirty Birds, right? I think the so. The Atlanta Falcons? Uh, yeah. They were... Uh, one of those teams that we all went, well, we know who's going to win it all. It's a lock. It's Minnesota. Oh, no, they lost to the Rams. They lost to the Rams. Yeah, they lost to the Rams 9-9. Excuse me. Oh, Jesus. Excuse me. And then the Rams went on to what? They went to win Super Bowl 34. 
Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they weren't all that good that year. Hey. What was the record of the Vikings that year? It was... Oh, 10-6 that year. You're looking at the wrong fucking year, Chris. <laughs> Fuck, did I this fuck This is it why up? I'm saying okay, I don't know if you're the best fucking guy for me. 98. They went 15-1. and one. That's the year I'm talking about. And then, they, yes, they lost to the Falcons. And the All Falcons right, so everything that you told me, yeah. everything that you corrected me on, yeah. was false. Yeah, that was a fucking giant fuck-up. Because I said 99, and I was ta- thinking of the Super Bowl itself, and you went for the season. Oh, exactly. And then immediately went into, Ron's got dementia. Let me just add stuff. <laughs> and you thought that 10 and 6 was such a dominating year. Now it seems like a dominant fucking uh, record these you, days. You know what I'd like to do? What's that? Take your home. <laughs> Please don't. That's all I have. I'm here to take your home. No! So little. But you do know so little. Uh, coming up, our friend Patrick it's is going to... there. Uh, he just got a hold of you, Chris, and he's going to talk about this uh, play, Suckerfish. Yeah, it's, his, uh, it's uh, a play he's directing, and that's uh, happening at the Main Stage Theater. Work- main Stage Workshop Theater. Does this bother you a little bit? He's directing a play, and I'm not... That's good for Patrick. He's fucking doing very well for himself. <laughs> I want to do, my dream yeah. is to do Waiting for Godot with you and Pips. Oh, my God. I'm down. Pips, would you be willing to do this? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. In this scene, yeah. Hicks, you're much taller. <laughs> and go. I need lifts. Taller, please. <laughs> There's nothing. I got to stand on a chair, maybe? Uh, all right. I'm going to ask for cut there. Pips, can I have a couple minutes with Chris? Sure. Uh, Chris. Yeah, Ron. Pips is great. Yeah. I'm having a little trouble with you, though. I don't know if this works. All you're saying is taller to me. Yeah. And I have, I, there's nothing for me this to This production yeah. is an us. Yeah. And you're seeing it as a me. Well, you're just giving me things that I can't do. All right? There are no small actors. Just really bad actors. How do you act taller? Like really trying your best. I'm going up on tippy toes. Did you see Grown Ups too? Not yet. How can you say you want to be part of this? You want to do Waiting for Godot when you haven't seen Grown Ups too? It's, it's on my cue. I, I think I'm going to go a different way. All right. There is an actor from Grown Ups too. I've been thinking about using in this same production. Oh, really? Who? Shaquille O'Neal. I don't even have to ask for taller. Out of him, he just brings it. Well, yeah, because he shows up every day tall, genetically tall. Like he, he's like exactly seven, seven feet tall. He's got like fucking almost a foot on. Him. You know what I say? What? Someone get an Oscar and a stepladder because we're giving it to Shaquille O'Neal this year. Motherfucker. That's another thing. I don't like working blow. I don't need to work blow. Um. So, Pat's stopping by now. Yes, he is. With two of his actors, Damien uh, Maffei and Andrea Velke. Now, for people who don't know, she was in A Couple of Survivors. Yeah, she was on Redemption Island. And Damien is a very, very well-known actor. Oh, yeah, I love him. What's some of your favorite stuff that he's done, Chris? Well, so, see, some of the stuff I've seen him in is off-Broadway, so I don't right. want to fuck anybody up and be like, I want to go see this. And they Again, can't you find really it. need to work, Blow. Love Damien. Um, 
Oh, I know that you do. But he was in that, uh, he played uh, in a lot of different things. Uh, and Suckerfish is the play. Now, it's performing Thursday, July 18th at 10 o'clock. And then Sunday, July 21st at 7 o'clock at the main stage uh, theater of workshop. And it says theater. So theater shows up twice at this, Chris. Yeah. Workshop theater uh, located at uh, 312 West 36th Street. Um, Bellmojo.com. Bellmojo.com if you... Uh, want to check out a little more on it. But let's bring in Patrick Kennedy, who is the director and an old friend of ours, Damien Maffei and Andrea Belkay. Patrick, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good, Ron. Thank you so much for having us in. Sucker Fish <coughs> is the new play off Broadway. Yes. Uh, that's taking place uh, this Thursday through Sunday at the Maiden Stage Theater uh, Workshop. Tell us who you brought in with us. Uh, this is uh, Mr. Damien Maffei, who is portraying uh, Citizen Hank. Hello. And Miss Andrea Belkay, who is portraying Marjorie. Hello. Uh, so what brought you two guys to the play? Well, I know Damien because I did a little film project with him, and he asked me if I'd be interested, and I jumped aboard Team Suckerfish. What is it like? What is the major difference between doing something like a film and then being off Broadway, where it's really like the coolest setup because the chair—you're not that far away from the audience. You're always, always in the. Uh, seats of the audience. What do you think the main difference is for you guys? Well, for me, and I feel like for most actors that do stage as well, I mean, you you have people in the audience that you have to cater to, so even if you're acting in a scene, you have to be connected to that person, but you have to realize that you have to be open to the audience. They have to see what you're doing. So mm -hmm. there's another element of you know playing to a house of people. So you never turn off the fact that we're here in this room. No. We're here in this but room. But you can't let the, the audience affect your uh, your performance, because sometimes, you know, you're going to get audiences that don't think what you're doing is funny, or uh, with right. the show, don't get it, which which is going to happen. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you, you just you have to keep at it, and keep the energy up, and, and keep hitting your moments. The, the comedy itself has got to be the hardest for that thing, because you pause for a laugh, yeah. and not a, every audience is going to get it. And everyone always thinks... Oh, New York audience is going to be hip, but not every single time do you go out and you get to that. A lot of times a bus could come into town right. and you're dealing with those folks. Um, Patrick, what was it about Suckerfish for you? Why was this uh, something you wanted to get involved with? Well, in uh, 
2009, I was actually at Big Apple Comic Con meeting uh, Thomas Jane, mm -hmm. who was producing the show with us, uh, who's famous for playing uh, Mickey Mantle in 61, and, uh, of course, uh, The Punisher. And, Among uh, many, many other things. He's a terrific yeah, actor. Yeah, Boogie Nights and yeah. uh, uh, Deep Blue Sea. Um, so uh, I had met Tom at the con through a, through a mutual friend, Tim Bradstreet, who's a very well-known comic book artist. And he had asked how I knew Tim, and I said I had produced the play by our friend Joe Lansdale. And he said, well, I'm trying to get this play called Suckerfish produced, and would love to bring it to New York. And I said, yeah, I'd, I'd like to help the Punisher produce a play in New York. <laughs> and it's a dynamite piece. It was yeah. just really, really incredibly well written. Uh, it's by a, a guy by the name of W.T. Underwood, who's out in the Pacific Northwest, and he's got a couple of uh, projects that hopefully he's going to try and bring to stage and screen in the near future. How quick for you guys uh, do you get a chance to rehearse this before you go up in front of an audience? Uh, when do we start? We s about a month. I guess about a is. month. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, because we're all, it's hard to get our schedules together. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we haven't had a ton of rehearsed, rehearsing time. Right. But, I mean, that's, you have to move fast and you have to get off book. And then just when the time you have, you really have to make the most of it. Absolutely, because you got to be able to go for an hour. Again, we think of film people and you get that opportunity to set up and go scene by scene, but uh, I, and I find it the, the fascinating thing about theater is every time they show up, and I'm not talking about like a musical, I'm talking about an off-Broadway thing where I'm like, I can't imagine I'm going to make that thing where I connect when I'm watching, you know, because the audience does have to show up and want to do a little work mm -hmm. to make the magic happen to set, but the second that it does, I personally think it blows film away on the nights that it really, really works. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's um, so physical to be in there, in that room. And for you guys, can you tell when you got the audience or not? Oh, yeah. Do you know that oh, yeah. those <laughs> nights? Yeah. Um, you guys have worked together in film and now doing this. Is this something that the, the chemistry here, something you want to keep on doing projects? Uh, Damien hasn't scared me away uh, yet. Well, yeah. okay, there you go. Because I was wondering if this show, because this show is going to frighten a lot of people away from from us. No, <laughs> it's not. It's what, a good show. What is it about this show that's so strange, though? I mean, it's kind of a street thing, right? Uh, it is. It's an absurdist play. It's kind of like... Uh, if if the people remember bum fights for right. a long time, it's kind of like a Twilight Zone episode of bum fights. Yeah. So uh, it's really it, it, it's very bizarre. When when Patrick showed me that Tom wanted to do this, I thought like this is kind of cool, and you know, but uh, like I'm um, I'm a strange person. I don't know if New York is going to get this. Yeah. And uh, but you know, we'll go for it. And uh, well, that's the beauty of uh, Broadway is they. It does seem like the closest, to, only fine arts go, let's break the rules all the time. If you're doing film, people expect the rules to be followed. Uh, musical theater, even TV, expect the rules to be followed. But for some reason, in off-Broadway plays, it's the only place that you can really show up yeah. and go do something totally different than people have ever seen yeah. before. Uh, how was Patrick as a director? Did he know what he was doing, or? Well, you know, I've 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 <laughs> taken a quick trip down that road years back. So yeah. he's uh, he, well, he's more than he's putting the sets together. Yeah, costume designer. So he's uh, yeah, well, he's you know he's got he's like he's growing other arms. He's got like all these <laughs> tentacles out there. He's trying to maintain 
all the aspects, but uh, he, he's very good. He's, but he's got a pretty good cast. Pasting up our program till one o'clock in the morning. Right. And then the whole thing has to come together for this run, right? Yeah, this and, it, and now it's pretty much out of my hands. I mean, uh, you know, it's it's in the hands of the actors, and I'm very blessed. They're really, really a dynamite cast. We also have uh, Adam Smith Jr., uh, who's done a ton of stuff uh, off off Broadway, including uh, uh, Miracle Day. Uh, mm. which was a play that uh, Damien was in with Adam in, in 2010, and uh, a fellow by the name of Jonathan uh, Reed Wexler, who is also outstanding, who plays Fearless Friar. Good group. Yeah, really, uh, we're really, really uh, blessed to have it. And you were talking about projects earlier, future projects, but I have to put in a plug for these two. Uh, soon, there's going to be a Kickstarter campaign for a feature film version of Brian Keene's The Cage, mm -hmm. uh, which Damien is developing. So, uh, and, and Damien and Andrea are going to star in it. It's a really dynamite horror film from one of the... Uh, one of the best, yeah. You know, one of the best horror writers on the cutting edge right now. I've had the rights to it for a while, and uh, something you've always with, wanted to do. It is, it is, and I, I had it with a couple of companies who 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 had the money out there for it, and were like, "Let's do it." And you you got to have uh, you got to have Val Kilmer play this one part. And I was mm -hmm, like, you know, right. I, I like Val Kilmer, but he's not you know, he's not right for yeah. that. They're like, well, you know, this is the way it's got to be. We're going to sell it to Turkey and, and Minsk. <laughs> I, I, you know, <clears throat> it became to the point where it, that was either going to happen or I was going to have to take my ball and go home. And for this one, I, I did. I, I went home and then happened again. Similar other mercenary actors. And then I just kind of sat home with it for a while wondering what to do. And then uh, I kind of concocted this other little plan I, I think is going to work quite well. So, But this is something that you absolutely love and did not want I do. I to think play it's great. games with it. Yeah, no, not yeah. this one. Uh, it can be done quite well for uh, the very small budget without losing quality due to the mm. nature of, uh, of the, the story. So you guys are going in all directions, but you know, Patrick, when you brought up the now it's in their hands, Again, going back to Off-Broadway, it's the only place where the actor does run the show. Everything else, whether it's TV, film, they can stop it. Right. But the actor really is in charge yeah. in these uh, in these plays. That's why, That's you know, exciting. when you're yeah. doing long, long, extended runs of things, you know, you, 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 start, you, you have to fight the urge to keep uh, adding things or, or, or right. making them better. You know, and, right, uh, because that's why those... the director hears in two months that yeah. the show has completely changed and has to come back and fix it. And well, we only, yeah, we only have a few performances to right. really do yeah. Suckerfish justice. So, I mean, it's kind of intense, but it's really exciting, and hopefully, the audience will love it. This uh, theater is um, where exactly are we looking, Patrick? Oh, thirty. Oh, 312 West 36th Street, and it is part of the Midtown International Theater Festival? Yeah, uh, Midtown International Theater Festival. It's uh, The theater is uh, the workshop main stage, mm -hmm. fourth floor, 312 West 36th, uh, right off 8th Avenue, next to the Pig and Whistle. You can't miss it. Can't miss it at all. Uh, Suckerfish, it starts Thursday, July 18th, runs through Sunday. July 21st, 7 o'clock at the Main Stage Theater. Yes, 7 on Sunday and 10 p.m. on Thursday. 10 p.m. on Thursday. Thank you so much for stopping by, guys. Thank you. And best yeah. of luck with this. Hopefully we'll see you back here for the film. Next time. Thank, Thank you so much, Ron.
That was fun, right? Hell yeah. Nothing against uh, Damien, but that Andrea's a looker, huh? Well, she's quite lovely. Yeah, she is quite lovely. Wish she would have won Survivor, though. I don't keep up with all the Survivors. That first season was the shit, dude. Is that the one where they're all in the same house together? No, that's Big Brother. There's no houses in Survivor. Mm. There's lean-tos. Mm. Sheds, maybe. I don't know. You know a lot about TV. Well, Suckerfish <laughs> is the play. Uh, I'm a big fan of plays. You are as well, Chris? Yeah. Well, I went to SUNY Purchase, where there was many a performance put on. You said it's actually a really strong school for that. Yeah, yeah, A lot yeah, of is. really terrific people have gone out to SUNY Purchase. Yeah, it's, it's very good. The conservatories are very fucking hard to get into. Competitive. Is that right? Very competitive, yeah. So you were in one? No, I was not. I was liberal arts. You choose not to compete, right? No, I just... I wasn't sure why I didn't try to get into one of the conservatories. Took work? Couldn't smoke weed your way through it? Urban throw? <laughs> You're fucking pointing all the right Pips, reasons. I never even asked you, what, what school did you go to? I went to Monmouth University, where David McDonald went to. That is one of the finest. By the way, it was one of the schools David yeah, McDonald went to. One of to. many. He had, a, he had the same type of education as Chris, a mobile education. Well, yeah. Well, sometimes when uh, fucking people drop dimes on you and then the fucking Harrison County cops come and bust down the fucking door of your apartment, they kick you out for certain things. This is too specific for most of us to identify with. <laughs> I mean, you are, you're, you're acting like sometimes this happens to people, but it's really uh, very, very specific. Yeah, sometimes the police ask you never to come back ever again to the campus, which happened to me. Well, it not only happened to you, it also happened to Stephen Hawking. So, I mean, you can go on from it. Good. I didn't know that. But at least you went to college. I didn't go at all. I didn't learn much. It's okay. Really, unless I think you're like being like a doctor or a lawyer, the college thing is kind of fucking weird. Well, it's nice and expensive. Yeah. That's the important thing. <laughs> um, you know the other important thing is, Chris? What's that? Love. And you have that in your life. You have the love of a beautiful woman, mm -hmm. and you have the respect of your peers. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. I was talking to some of the people in the halls. Yeah. And they said to me, they go, uh, doesn't Chris Stanley produce your show? And I go, yeah, he does. Oh, really? And they go, respect him. Wow. And then you ever been by that uh, Jamaican channel that we had, the reggae channel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what they said about you? What'd they say? Respect. <laughs> that means a lot from my dread brothers. But they said about everything. <laughs> I would say goodbye. They yelled, respect. You want some lunch? Respect. Yeah. I don't understand the jaw thing. Yeah, it's for Ja. Mm. Lord above. Mm. Ali Selassie. That's like their black Jesus. Rasta man. Gotcha. That smooth raga sound. Mm. You know a lot about these things, Chris. <laughs> Thank you. Well, see, I went to a resort once in Jamaica. <laughs> I only, I mean, I like reggae music a lot. Yeah. But I really like it most from white people. Like, I like the police a lot. <laughs> but I don't like any of the black reggae folks. Like, you want, like, authentic, like, reggae music from people like in Jamaica. Like the police. 
they could play reggae music, but they're British people. Mm. They polish it up the way I need. You want it dirty, dog? Uh Uh-uh. You want that fucking root sound. I always like to say I like reggae music. I can put a comb through. No, 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 no. You want it nappy. And that's not a racist thing either. Speaking of nappy. Yeah. Who's your pappy? Uh, It's the Ron and Fez show. Uh, We're going to turn around in just a couple minutes, Chris. Talk about one of my favorite character actors in the world. I could even so say go so far that maybe my uh, favorite character actor in the world, and that's Bruno Kirby. He's the best. Bruno Kirby, terrific, terrific actor, has been in so many great roles, and then was one of those guys struck down in his prime. What year was that, by the way? It was in the 2000s, right? Yeah. 2006. I remember that day so well because it felt like I was kicked in the stomach. August 14th, 2006. He passed. Awful. Uh, But the beauty of it is he left behind a legacy of work. Now, if you go over to the Interabang, our good friend Leslie Coffin has put together 15 essential Bruno Kirby roles. Now, you could say to yourself, I could do that. Really? Are you writing a book about Bruno Kirby? And have you talked to all of his family and friends about him? Because Leslie has. Oh, no, you didn't? Well, you sound like a dick. Right. I have, but talked to his family and friends. But uh, only out of the thing that, because I do um, a nest, and a lot of people worked with him. And she should interview you then. She never asked. That hurts. I know. This thing that I keep waiting, like, I'm probably going to get asked to be interviewed. The fuck? No. I doesn't even come up. That's beef in my neighborhood. And even though I didn't work with him yeah. and didn't have any stories, I definitely would have. It wasn't my fault I didn't get to. You so, know, I was turned down, uh, and it was uh, for Good Morning Vietnam. Holy shit. And this is something you could probably relate to. Yeah. Not tall enough. They were looking for somebody six and a half feet tall. <sighs> Goddamn good dough. Mm. Start like a stilt company. Stilt and live and well, we could call it, Chris. Weird, weird day today. <laughs> kind of an odd day. Real strange. And uh, to start yeah. the fucking show too. I mean, it Pat is. Was just in. Yeah, I would say we've been here a long time, but we haven't. No. We just got here. Our day just started. Uh, even as our mass is going on. Okay, not even noon. Yeah. What the fuck? Mm, not even noon yet. Maybe we should take a break. Maybe we should just take a break and fucking. Let's take a break. I know that you and uh, Rob like me and Break more than anything else. You're like, the best radio Ron does is when he goes to break. We call the new break order. You know what I want to start and call it? What's that? Break my heart. Oh, no. Or unbreak my heart. Don't turn your back on the break pack. 
I feel like I've gone crazy. <laughs> I know, buddy. Chris smoked a joint before he came in here today. I shouldn't say that because I know a lot of... That this is the week that they're going over the producers to oh. see who gets laid off. Gee, what? <laughs> They're going to fucking start shit-canning people around here? They're going to start drug testing, I know that. This is really fucking bad news for me. You didn't hear about that? No. I heard about it six months ago. They Why wouldn't you tell to me to clean. clean the fuck out? I thought that you didn't smoke pot anymore. I smoke a good amount of it. I'd hate to be you. Yeah, I'd hate to be me right now, too. Mm. <sighs> I heard a thing for the piss test. Yeah. If you have to take a piss test, yeah. just drop a joint in the piss. That sounds like it would fucking actually just melt and just be like this while you're fucking holding on to it. Like, oh, God. There's a joint going through my urethra. Oh. Nasty. It's good to be king. We got a break. I know we do, Chris. Get off my fucking back. I'm not high. I'm fucking straight. Let's go hang out with those Rastas down by the fucking Rasta station. Respect. Respect. I'll, I'm going to go down there and go like this. Can you guys get on some police for me? Young teacher. Uh, but when we come back, we'll talk about Bruno Kirby, the brilliant, brilliant actor whose life unfortunately cut short. Uh, but, uh, thanks to awful drug, you said, uh, the, the thing they got to him, leukemia? Leukemia. Despise stuff like that. Despise it. Uh, so, stay tuned for this, or go over to the iBank and check out some of these. We'll discuss some of these films, because this is where I literally go into, um, fanboy stage. Even though I don't even like the word fanboy, I'm a giant fan of Bruno Kirby's. This is going to be good. But let's not put the pressure on it in case it isn't. Oh, jeez. Alright, then I just forget adequate. I said Adequate. Let's just go for adequate. This is going to just... This is going to be a radio show. Will Fez way. be back in here for that? I hope so. Yeah, he will be. I hope we got so. the promise. He just had to run down the hall and talk right. to somebody and he'll be right back. It is the Ron and Fez show. Ron Bennington. Right. All right. Tez Wally. Yeah. This is the The Ron and Tez Show. Don't touch, kid. Sleep with the light. It's on touch, kid. 
artist of the day. Chris, this is your favorite band of all time, the AAAs. I love the AAAs. They're amazing. You said this was your prom theme? Yeah. Back back then, yeah, back then, 2000, when I graduated from... Sorry for me to picture that that band was around, but I guess they were, like, doing an indie thing at the time? Yeah, well, they were kind of undiscovered. It was like, um... Like an underproduced fucking version of that song was the problem song, you know? I mean, things no, begin elsewhere. That's a really hip, hip school that you're doing unproduced indie bands. Brooklyn Technical High School in mm -hmm. beautiful Fort Greene, Brooklyn, was so ahead of its time. We had... BTHS? Yeah, BTHS. Lesbian uh, King and Queen of the Prom, too. Very cool. Yeah, hell yeah. Everybody loved those two lesbian girls. Uh, well, you stood up, and now they're gonna remember you forever, you know? They fucking better. <laughs> uh, it is, uh, an exciting time for us, because one of our favorite writers in the entire world is here, Leslie <laughs> Coffin. And Leslie, you have a book out, as you know, about one of my favorite character writers in the world. When is the book going to be out? Well, ironically, it was a case of it's gotten a little bit of extended. We're trying to get it in, you know, mid-2014 because we also have a bunch of notebooks and scripts and things that we have to go through of the wonderful actor Bruno Kirby. and Bruno Kirby, still, one of the greatest character yeah, actors of all time. They are still living... Um, He's one of those people who is like the rarest of rare people who saved everything. When you talk about saving everything, he, you know, I was just talking to someone and he had saved a notebook from when he did a acting class. And apparently, people in the acting class were like Adam Arkin and Jeff Goldblum, mm -hmm. and I think Sean Penn was one of the people. <laughs> so, and yeah. unlike a lot of people, everybody wanted to talk to you about this book, right? Everybody. Um, I have gotten incredibly lucky with the number of people who wanted to do interviews. Um, people who he was directed by, people who he worked with, people who you'd be surprised he was friends with. Because <laughs> yeah. there seems to be very little connection to the two. But he's just one of those people who kind of was in Hollywood for a relatively short time. You know, he died mm -hmm. in his 50s, but made a huge impression on the people who he worked with. And, mm -hmm. you know was considered a great actor by his peers and also a great person by his peers. So it's, it's been a real pleasure to One work One of those on. real rare things. How yeah. did you get the uh, the idea for the book? How did that come it to you? It started the way a lot of things start. It started wanting to do an article on him because it was coming close to the five-year period that he had passed away. Mm -hmm. And no one had really done a, a feature on him, right. even though there had been a huge outpouring. So I started working on it and turned out there were a number of people who said, oh, I'll do an interview with you. I, I love the guy. He, he was like a brother to me. So we started doing interviews and then we started doing more interviews and it turned into this huge thing that just kept gaining. And it was like, you know, by the time you get, you know, 50 people, you're like, this would be much better as a book. Yeah. And then by the time you get to 200, it's just like... This would be a really amazing book. <laughs> you really have talked to 200 people yes, about Yes, I was doing my count because I save all my audio when I'm trying to transcribe it. And, you know, I was around 200 and I was like, oh, my God. And the people who just wanted to talk to him, uh, talk about him are just, you know, kind of who's who of that generation in 
Hollywood, you mm-hmm. know. So it's it's been a real pleasure. <laughs> well, the you know the generation is one of the best in terms of comedy. I mean, the people that he worked with, Albert Brooks and Christopher Guest, and the list goes. Well, that now you got another hundred ninety eight names to go. But uh, Billy Crystal and uh, the the thing that he was in that generation kind of de- defined the way comedy is still kind of being done. Yeah, I think you know if you look at things like um, the type of things that Billy Crystal and Christopher Guest and Rob Reiner were doing in the 80s, it's very similar in a lot of tone to some of the stuff that people like Judd Apatow are doing. Yeah. So, and, you know, he was right in the thick of it and he could compete with any of them. You know, if he was in a room, people said he could be the funniest guy in the room. Bruno Kirby. Yeah. (laughs) Which is weird because a lot of the guys that he was doing that with were great writers or great stand-ups and he's not so much known for that. Do you, uh, and you know, uh, if you took an Apatow or Ricky Gervais is another one that could sit and take any one of those movies and break it down scene by scene, line for line, I mean, obsessively watch stuff like Spinal Tap and, um, and Kirby was amazing and all this stuff. Yeah, you know, um, one of the funniest things that came up was, um, you know, I had the very rare opportunity to speak with Gary Shandling because he just loves Bruno but beyond, you know, anything. And he said, I think I cast him because he worked with Albert Brooks and he right. had the best line in an Albert Brooks movie. Yeah. And he's like, he just loves Albert Brooks so much and he loves that movie Modern Romance to such an extent that when you get talking about him, you're just like, how does this guy have the best line? Because he just is the perfect way of capping off a great scene for Albert Brooks with just that eat the lewd thing, you which the is ludes. such a great line. Oh, and then Albert is so upset. Yeah. But yes, he did take the ludes. Yeah, But exactly. um, that's a really good point about Bruno, too, because, you know, saying that he, he's... When a lot of times we talk about people stealing scenes, it means they go over the top. Exactly. But he would never go over the top. And even in a Robin Williams movie... Uh, which I believe he was nominated for in Good Morning Vietnam. No. I I still, he wasn't nominated? He wasn't. That's Somehow insane. he was not nominated yeah. for that performance, which I think is his best performance. Oh, easily. You know? But I think that, that he ends up uh, getting the movie stole out when Bruno Kirby is like, in my heart I know I'm funny. That <laughs> fucking line. And in radio, when when we were starting... And we would have PDs that would come in and try to help. We would call them Lieutenant Steve. We would always act like, you know, okay, Lieutenant Steve. Well, we're going to, because these guys that never really were on the air would try to tell you to go up to the line but not cross it. All that stupid stuff was always Lieutenant Steve to us. So you put together for the site, and we may be a year out before your book arrives. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, it's just one of those things where there's just so much material to dig through Yeah, that it's just, you know, when someone says, you know, I have boxes of material to not include it in a book like this would just be criminal because it's literally an acting lesson of how to get those types of performances. I mean, there's scripts from some of his best performances of his notes, you know, the side mm-hmm. notes that you put in. And, you know, the improv from uh, Good Morning Vietnam that he had, like, written out for himself. <laughs> that is <Yeah>. crazy. 
you know, and I'm like, oh gosh, a whole notebook. You know, I, I was just told you, it was like, there's a whole notebook of just these improv things that maybe didn't even make it into the movie. So, so his family's working with you? His to- family is wonderful. His father is an amazing actor himself, uh, mm-hmm. Bruce Kirby, who was in Columbo a lot of times. And, you know, they work together um, sometimes. They... Uh, the first Columbo episode that Bruce Kirby was in, Bruno Kirby is in as well, in uh, uh, an episode called Dawn's Early Light, which is, it's always funny because they don't really have a scene together. It's just like they cross paths once and that's it. Mm-hmm. But um, no, I mean, his father is just a wonderful person. Well, so many of those guys were second generation Hollywood. Uh, Reiner, of course, Albert Brooks, and they all kind yeah. of grew up together, more or less. Well, I Same mean, neighborhood. That's the funny thing is that he grew up in New York. Bruno Kirby grew up in New York City. He knew Sean Penn's family when he was younger. Um, you know, and knew because they were all in the actor's studio together. Right. But he became friends with a lot of second generation people when he moved to California. So he became friends with people like Ed Bagley Jr. was one of his best right. friends. And, you know, of course, Ed Bagley Jr. is the father of Ed Bagley Sr. Um, Adam Arkin, um, Rob Reiner, as you mentioned. So there were a lot of second-generation friends that they had, but it turned out they didn't really meet for any reason except they had a connection. Wow. So, <laughs> I bet you are having so much trouble doing the research of this stuff. Like, people don't realize that sometimes, like, when I get an interview, like, it's a really ball to be able to, as your job, dive into something and just mm-hmm. really study it. So to sit around and... Be able to do this for a while has got to be, it's got to be uh, mind blowing sometimes. Yeah, I mean, if you just went with what's in archives that mm-hmm. have film material in them, there's nothing. They're, they they didn't really have collections of any of his stuff. They would have collections of some of his films, but they would always be focused on Robin Williams or right. you know Billy Crystal. Um, so you really have to dig very far into what people wrote about him what people said about him and then you got to start doing the interviews and that's the reason why some books lend themselves more to doing research that's actually from archives Mm -hmm. and some that are actually from because the archive stuff is easy to research but i mean it's it's accessible that's the biggest difference is that if i couldn't get all these interviews there wouldn't really be a book there'd have to be just an article because of the amount of material that's available but because of the number of people who like Bruno Kirby and the number of people who said, yes, I'll do an interview and end up going a full hour with an interview, mm-hmm. you know, which is incredibly rare. Right. You get all this because they material. want him to be honored. They're like, this yeah. guy was great. Let's make sure I'm on the record as saying that. That's what I think is so fantastic. You know, like, obviously. Marlon Brando gets this kind of treatment. Yeah. But I honestly, and when I was excited to hear that you were doing this, I feel like Bruno Kirby uh, obviously deserves this. You put up 15 essential Bruno Kirby characters up on the Interabank today. Yes. Go over to ibank.com to check these out. I should mention that mm. I limit it to performances that are more or less available because you know as i mentioned to you almost summer great 
first ever time he got to be a lead in a movie. Right. No one's ever seen the movie. <laughs> you know? Well, when you told me that was one of the ones that I brought up to you. Yeah. That I saw as a kid. <laughs> and then you brought me in this album. <laughs> I, I was going to ask you, who is this cat? Who's this actor's name? And whatever happened oh, to him. John, he used to do some 70s stuff. Uh, John Frederick, I think, is his name. You know. Um, but all kinds of cool people in yeah. this film. Tim Matheson him. and, you know, Didi Khan and stuff like that. And Beach Boys music. <laughs> you would think. Uh, I remember seeing this on uh, on TV at the time. And I thought that, that Bruno Kirby was fantastic in it. Um Thanks. <laughs> what did you find there? Uh, John Frederick. He actually, that actress passed away. I don't think that's no, the that's same the person. Same one. <laughs> no. This is much younger. Yeah. Almost. Uh, I'm yeah. sorry. Almost summer. Almost summer. So yeah. this is not available anywhere. No, it's not. It's one of those things I had to really dig deep into an archive to find it. There was another performance that I actually think he's wonderful in. Um, <laughs> Unfortunately, named some kind of miracle, which is like the most seventies title right. ever. But it's a very good movie about um, uh, paralysis um, hospitals. Right. And it was, you know, he did a, a role that was, I think, a cop who had been paralyzed, and it was on TV once again. But he gives, he has a monologue in the thing that I think is some of the best work he's ever done. And nobody will ever see it. <laughs> yeah, just one. Well, maybe sooner or later, some of these will pop out. Did you find yeah. him? Yep, I found him. He's still alive. Okay. <laughs> what are some of the films that he's done for the people at home? He's he was also in uh, Thank God it's Friday, The Wanderers. The Wanderers, the yeah. Wanderers. <laughs> That's where I really first know him from. The nerdy kid in The Wanderers. Yeah. <laughs> fast Walking with uh, love James Fast Walking. We love that film. Uh, the Thorn Birds. That was gigantic uh, yeah, miniseries. That mini yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the the list of 15 is basically the performances that if you're like, I got to see how good he was, you can definitely see. You can go rent the DVDs or see them online. And we got some clips on there, too. So let's go through these. What do you have as one of them? What do we got up here? Oh, well, the first one was a very little known film. The first Paul Verhoeven movie that he made, English language, called Flesh and Blood. I don't even know if people realize he's in the movie. I don't think I know yeah. the movie myself. <laughs> it's a it's a set in uh, the Dark Ages. Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee is in the movie, um, and he is with Rutger Hauer as one of the bandits. But the thing that stands out is he plays a gay bandit in the movie and he and his co-star who play you know the only romantic characters in the whole movie they have very few scenes together but they absolutely sell this idea of number one they are homosexuals uh -huh. in, a, in a movie made in you know 1985 right and number two that they genuinely care about each other more than anything else it's not done mockingly no not at all yeah. it's it's some of the best scenes in the movie yeah, <laughs> um, I mean it, it's it's very. It was apparently the nightmare upon nightmare movies to make. Just to make it yeah. itself. Yeah, but it's uh, a gay bandit movie. It sounds great. <laughs> I don't Turned know. By Paul Verhoeven. I don't know whether you're going to find it in the gay bandit section <laughs> of your used DVDs. Uh, all right, what's the next one? 
Well, the next one, as we mentioned before, is Modern Romance. It would be higher if he had a little bit more to do in the movie, but mm-hmm. it, just his performances are fantastic. You know, the first scenes when he's trying to be, yes, yes, <laughs> Albert, I, I totally understand what you're yeah. talking about. When he he's like, you're insane to dump this woman constantly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, the great scenes of editing that they have together that... that um, you know, the the sound scene where they're trying to recreate footsteps. It's so funny. It's so uh, behind the scenes. And then those guys in the sound room who don't care. Yeah. They just want to get through the day. And he's like, what what, do you, you know, what would you think the store, uh, the floor is made of? And I think he said something like space floors. So just this fucking throwaway <laughs> line. It's so goddamn funny. And the way Albert is in that movie... And how awful of a, uh, you know, I had never before that saw where the lead guy is a kind of a terrible person. Yeah. And you're like, he's awful. He treats people terribly in that movie. (laughs) Terribly, particularly his woman, who is jealous and obsessive and then pushing away, dismissive of her feelings. And I remember seeing that I was sitting next to a girl uh, and I'm. Dying laughing. I'm laughing like <laughs> this. And and she's not laughing at all. She's furious. She hates him and hates me for laughing. And I was able to, in the middle of this, go, this is never going to no. work out here. No. You know what I mean? I get it now. We are so far apart. It's, this it's, could never work. You know, I read somewhere that... Um Jeff Garland calls it one of his like absolute number one favorite movies. And I, I was always like, Jeff Garland is very similar in a lot of what he does on like curb your enthusiasm mm-hmm. with just being like i know you're a jerk but i'll be your friend yeah. right <laughs> um yeah even in garland's um to that the someone he cheese with was definitely like a albert brooks movie that albert mm-hmm. uh didn't make um, all right, let's go to the next one we have here. Well, going very, very dark. Mm-hmm. We're going with Swifty from Basketball Diaries, which I think is the scariest performance I've ever seen Bruno Kirby give. Yeah, I it like was it. very <laughs> uncomfortable. He was a uh, a kid toucher. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, a coach. He did not let it. It's not like... He's pretending he's a coach because he's a kid toucher, because the game still also mattered to him. Yeah, he was still. That's the weird thing about it. He's acting like a coach, but then he's also interested in having sex with the kids. And think about how well they hid that idea from you, the first part of the movie. You right. Know, the first ten minutes of that movie, where you're just seeing the kids. And then you're like, oh my gosh, look at what this guy is. And then the weird thing, too, and obviously it was like the 60s and all, but the kids knew that he was this and did not, you know, like, oh, we need to call the police. It's just something that happens. It's accepted. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just something that you, it's just one of the things that you had to deal with when you were a kid back then. Much like a bully or something. Yeah. That's the weirdest thing of all when you look at the kids are like, no, we're not. Stop it. You know what I mean? Without <laughs> acting like overly offended that it's going on. No. It's just something that goes down. But, I mean, it's a terrifying performance if you think about it because of that idea of he could just be in a school, you know, and yeah. no one would report him. I mean, it's it's a very 
a scary performance. It is. <laughs> but it's it's an amazing performance. It's just sort of like it's too dark to ever get that type of attention. <laughs> you could say, I loved you in that. You're great. You yeah. were so wonderful. Yeah. Perfect pedophile. Uh, what do we got next? <laughs> um, the next one, going in the complete opposite direction, is actually my personal favorite of his film roles. It's a little teeny tiny part in Tin Men as Mouse. I love that movie. I love the movie too. <laughs> and I love him in it. I, I don't... No, what do you think that he does so great in this? Because it's all in the background. Yeah. It's, I mean, he has, a, he has lines in the movie. You know, he has the great line about what he ate for breakfast and why uh -huh. he doesn't owe more to the bill. But a lot of it is just him you know, grooming himself or dancing in the background with some girl, yeah, you know? What, well, yeah, what uh, dance, new dance were they obsessed oh, with? Lombada. Yeah, they were just, they were weirdly, Lombada. they were weirdly obsessed with this. And that film, um, and it's, 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 it, it's really such a strong, it, the strong whole movie thing. is like a perfect movie. Yeah. But I think he really does stand out because it's like, what is this guy doing? Around? Because, it could be very possible that he would just sit in the corner and you wouldn't ever notice what he's doing. And then he'll do these things that it's just like, this guy is specific. You know, it's it's a really wonderful character to watch, you know, and you can kind of get your eye drawn to him quite a bit. And I think also just him and Danny DeVito are kind of like two perfect people to square off against. It, it might be Danny DeVito's best role. Yeah. And the fact that Danny DeVito throws himself into the uh, Maryland accent, which Richard <laughs> Dreyfus doesn't at all. You know what I mean? Danny DeVito sounds exactly like it. And Dreyfus didn't even bother. Yeah. You know, it's so funny to see it. Uh, it but, is. It's a great film. But I mean, also, if you think about it, I mean, the character of Mouse is not written with a lot of specificity. Yeah. But you think about it, and he's taken a very odd approach to it. He said, "Well, Mouse isn't, you know, a whiny character. He isn't a nasty character, which that name could evoke." Right. And he's like, "No, mice are neat, and you know they're constantly making sure that their grooming is up to par. So that's what I'm going to focus on. I mean, and that's something that comes from just a great actor who picks up on something. Who decided I'm yeah. going to make this part of it? And of course, Barry Levinson has to say, and his ears oh, cool. aren't real. And <laughs> that's so great. Yeah. I did. I did not. I did not know that about this. Yeah. Um, well, right, what's the next one we have? Well, it comes a little high, but mm. I'm I'm gonna go with City Slickers. City Slickers. Yeah. Uh, and what number are we on here? Eleven. Well, eleven is your City Slickers. Yeah. Uh, why so low? Yeah. Um, I think rewatching the movie, it doesn't hold up as well as I think maybe people. Th I mean. It's watchable. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it holds up as well as it did in 1994 when it came out. Um, and I think sometimes the story goes a little bit all over the place. Mm -hmm. But I will also say that I think he is given some phenomenal moments in the movie. And mm -hmm. I, I think a lot of people will say that like one of the great man moments in a movie is that best day speech that he has and he just holds right on to so yeah. i mean i there's no question he absolutely deserves to have that scene in there but i think maybe as a whole the movie doesn't hold up as well yeah but now always the rumors have been that he and billy crystal had somewhat of a falling out is that yeah. true 
Yes, yes, uh, during this movie, unfortunately. So. And it had to do with work, or did it have to do it, with personal it was, stuff? It was professional. Yeah. It was professional, yeah. But that got into their personal relationship. Well, I think uh, two people who take their professional life very personally, mm. and who are friends through professional relationships, that right. can happen. I mean, because, you know, if one person feels slighted by the other... It's the end of a relationship sometimes because mm-hmm. there's nothing, you know, it's it's not like they're family, you know, it, literally blood relation, blood relation family. It's not like, you know, they're married where they have something else to hook on to. Yeah, because I know he did not show up for City Slickers, too. No. <laughs> that didn't happen. Now, yeah. did you talk to Billy Crystal for your book? I He was one of the few people who I couldn't get an interview with. Even though you asked? Yeah, yeah. So he still, I, 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 I guess, I, feels pain about this. I, I, I don't think that there's any true anger towards each other. But I mean, whenever someone dies and you're kind of on the outs with them, I think that right. hurts, you know, and you, d- you didn't get that chance to reconcile. So I think that... Isn't that funny? Like one conversation might have fixed that. Oh, yeah. That's always why, Chris, I want you and Fez to finally make up. I I can't do it, not yet. Because they got either one heart attack or a drug overdose away from not being able to settle these things. Could come on the same day. Billy Crystal should have talked to you, though. He could have just said, look, this is one of the sad things. We had a disagreement, and I wish he wasn't gone. I wish he still was around. It could have taken him five minutes, and I would have read that one. Ah, yeah, because I've had that happen with people before. Yeah, I mean, and if you think about it, two of their best, I think, in truth, Two of Billy Crystal's best performances were with Bruno, and I think a lot of it had to do with having someone to bounce work off of. Right. You know that you know there wasn't someone just allowing him to do his routine. You know because I think a lot of times, sometimes a stand-up who does a movie goes into their stand-up routine. Right. But he was acting more with people who were forcing him to be an actor well, and play it, character. It's two different mindsets. It's two different places to come. And when you see people who actually act first and foremost, it's a totally different way of being. I hope I I want you to give Billy one more chance. Just try to call him again. <laughs> I know what I happened. Will. And call him up and say, "Look, I just want you to show up in this book because you know it's the right thing to do." Four hundred people or two hundred people want to talk about this, and you don't. I mean. It, it's okay to say, look, I love the guy, but we broke off doing this thing. Bruno would have wanted this, Billy. I don't that's know whether he wanted one, so. That's what you tell. <laughs> yeah. That's what you tell us people. But, you know, cr- this happens with creative people all the time, and no one can understand why bands don't stay together. It's almost impossible. Because you, because, and I totally understand it. You take your work as precious. Right. You know? And uh, that's a great way to approach your work. Yeah. You know, that your work stands for something big and it should and it's worth giving everything to yeah mm-hmm. what if everybody doesn't feel that way <laughs> i just told the thing like i was listening at fence he would he would not play though see that's the thing i need someone to bounce off from. but that was just a joke i was doing okay. right, what do we got now okay number two is uh, probably going to be talk. the hardest to find <laughs> <me. laughs> 
probably going to be the hardest to find is where the buffalo roam, but it is on DVD. Love it. Just saw yeah. it actually oh. <laughs> the other night, maybe on like an IFC or something oh, nice. that yeah. they come in in the middle of the night. This pisses me off, so I stay awake. I wake up, it's on, I stay awake. And I love Bruno Kirby in this. He's, it's the least flattering image of Jan Wenner you're ever going to see. <laughs> well, let me think, because Jan Wenner did a bad job of uh, betraying himself in Perfect. <laughs> He betrayed himself uh, as a guy who acted like a total asshole. And then also he comes off as an asshole who's almost famous. <laughs> That's true. He really never has been portrayed well. But that difference between 60s Jan Wenner and Love 80s Jan Wenner is when so good. suddenly now he's golfing, he's got money. At the beginning he's kind of borderline hippie yeah, he's and like, sensitive and needy and let's get this. He encourages the hippie mentality yeah. and then by the 80s he's just a complete yuppie. And you're like, like, that is great. And it's just, it's not a caricature, but it is, it is right on specific with that performance. I mean, it's hilarious. Um, I forgot how this is, you know, because everybody, because of the Johnny Depp movie. And this one is much sillier and weirder. But Bill and Murray does some really fucking cool things in here as well. And, um... Peter uh, Boyle. Peter Boyle is amazing. He's very funny in it. You know? yeah. he's, he's great in it. He's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it, it's. I think you're right. It's probably been overshadowed. And, I mean, it's not a perfect movie. No. But it has some great It's not really even a it. movie. It's like yeah. a, it's a collection of scenes. <laughs> you know? I think, was this Art Linson who yeah. directed this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, I don't know. I always feel like I'm going to have Art Linson on the show. <laughs> One day. I don't know what it is. Success should be your thing right. to get me Art Linson. <laughs> As and, he writes it down. Yeah, yeah. He, well, I'm going to circle yeah, that. They both know that if, I, is, if they act like they're writing, that I'm suddenly satisfied. And I'll just be like, oh, okay. Look, Art Linson. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right, it's done. Now I can go home happy. They just they, they pander to me. It's awful. <laughs> what? Huh? Uh, all right, so where the Buffalo Room, where he plays Jan Wenner. Yeah, not. I don't think he's named Jan Wenner. No, way. he's not, he's, but, uh, but he's Jan Wenner. He's, oh gosh, Marty Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> From Martin Lewis? <laughs> yeah. And he only has a couple scenes. I think, yeah, he only has like three or four scenes in the whole movie, and a, a, a couple times it's literally just his voice. Yeah. But he also really liked working with Bill Murray. Yeah, you know, he did. I think he was one of those. Bill Murray was one of those people who he just like really enjoyed working with. Uh, you know, apparently sometimes Bill Murray would go and if he was in California, go play baseball because they were on the softball team together. Uh-huh. <laughs> so um, yeah, I think he was just that really, the same team. Bill Christ- Billy Crystal was not on? that one. Yeah, there were two. There was one that was just at the high school that they would play around on you know. have we gotten a hold of billy crystal because i really want him in this book i really I, I don't feel terrible if he doesn't make it you tell him that this is what bruno wants yeah no forget bruno this is here's why i want billy to do it okay for billy and All he right. doesn't have to bring up anything personal he uh, he just has to say look me and the guy were close we had a, a falling out but it doesn't mean i lost any love for him that'd be big of billy it's not a matter of being big of. I wanted to heal Billy. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. I wanted to help heal that part of it. All right. I don't like to be one of these people who sits around and tries to put the boots to Billy Crystal because he's been successful. <laughs> I don't have that problem with him. All right. Where were we? Number ten. 
number uh, uh, now we're on number nine. Number nine. So okay. I I do not know how available this is. It was a Showtime series called Fallen Angels done in the early nineties that were all uh, detective detective film noir type programs, mm-hmm. uh, like an hour version of it, and he did one episode. A lot of people said it was one of probably one of the best episodes of the series and probably one of the best best features for Bruno Kirby because he's the lead in the movie. Uh, it's what is this called? It's called well, the show is called Fallen Angel and the short is called I'll Be Waiting. I don't know this Based at all. Based on uh, Raymond Chandler novel. I'm hearing this for the first I'm- time. <laughs> I feel like I'm left out in the cold. Like uh, I'm in the cold without a well, jacket. Well, also, I don't even know this exists. It's Tom Hanks directed the movie. What? <laughs> so what year are we talking? Uh, 1997, I think. I don't know this. The show ran from 1995. That was sure. uh, a kind of a dark time in my life, so things <laughs> happened. Well, Showtime did it. It was sort of like their answer to, I think, like Tales from the Crypt type thing, where it was just an anthology show. Right. But it, it's a really interesting show. And the um, show is Angels? They're Angels? Fallen Angels. No, I mean, that's just the name of the show. Oh, they're not Angels they're, Who Fell. They're just detectives and stuff, you know? And each one is a standalone episode. But, um, the, and I always forget his name, but he's the actor who's like uh, Carla's first husband in Cheers and. Oh, God. oh, it's yeah, the... Was, uh, he was in Blood Simple. Yeah, he's Dan, really... Uh, Dan, Dan, Dan Kedra or something? Ke- yes, that's his yeah, name. Yeah, he's terrific. Yeah, he plays the villain. Uh-huh. And Marg Helgenberg plays the damsel, you know. Mm. And it's it's hot stuff. I mean, it's, it's a great way of featuring him. Tom Hanks is a really good director in it, you know. He now, has is a, this something I can get my paws on? I know it was released on VHS at the very least as a series. Uh, I'm hoping to goodness that they eventually will release this thing on DVD because it should be if it hasn't been already because the series as a whole is pretty good and it has people like Gary Oldman I think did one episode and um Ron Perlman did an episode. I mean, I have these I'm, great characters. Were you actors. aware of this show at all? <laughs> I didn't know Showtime was doing like original programming back then. Um, yeah, they always had original programming from the <laughs> beginning. I'm like, I feel even fucking stupid. Now. But, Leslie, this is great. We got somebody on the phone for you right now. It is Billy Crystal. Hi, Leslie. It's Billy. You know, when I was trying to do SNL the first year, I got sent home on the train. I was really Transcribe sad this, about it. But, uh, yeah, he was great. Uh, really enjoyed working all those uh, years with Bruno Kirby. Sorry we had that falling out, but I love him like a brother. Um, later, uh, Whoopi uh, Goldberg and Robin Williams and I helped a lot of poor people. All right, I got to go now. All right, take care. Write nice things about me in the book. Bye. All right, that was great. We got it. <laughs> really, you should just write, sure. because he'll be better off for it. Yeah. You know, he, he should talk to you. <laughs> right, what do you got? So number eight is Spinal Tap as Tommy, the limo driver. This is the greatest thing that ever happened in the world. <laughs> I don't know anyone who doesn't love this movie, and I don't know anyone who doesn't... Quote that line. Yeah, because when you have lived and loved and lost the way Frank has, yes. it's amazing. Now, 
what he was very proud of eventually came out as I think the vi- the uh, the laser disc version has the fuller version of his performance, which is I think like twenty minutes long compared to what he is in the movie. The DVD has a shorter version of it because they had to cut a song. However, online someone was freaking brilliant and put the whole thing from the laser disc I think on it, including the stripped down yeah, he's in his <laughs> underwear, high, singing. It's amazing. It's crazy amazing. And like the weird the way he just threw himself into that. Uh, he was so proud. Apparently, people told me he was like, he was so proud when that thing eventually surfaced online that he was sending the link to people being like, look at what I did in Spinal Tap. Wow. <laughs> he was like, he was so proud and he was so kind of, he didn't want that stuff to be cut because he had like really created that character. And he, I mean, he and Rob Reiner had created that character before Spinal Tap even. Right. So, what, Do you know what you're calling your book yet, Leslie? I'm thinking, actually, of a, a title called Not Fade Away in reference to a film he was going to do that he did half of and then got shut down. And oh. if you can get the idea of, based on the title, what the performance was going to be, um, it also featured a very blonde person. <laughs> really? Um uh, it was a version of the Buddy Holly story before the Buddy Holly story actually. So this would have been like 77, 76? It would have been about 76. Wow. Yeah. So it was a performance he was very excited about. Bleached his hair blonde. And he was going to be Buddy. He wasn't going to be Buddy Holly. He was going to be Jerry Ather. Oh. Um, another actor, I think a British actor, was going to be Buddy Holly. And... Um, Busey, Gary Busey, <laughs> was going to play the drummer. Wow. And then the film didn't go, and it ended up being a case of uh, Gary Busey got the part, and it's, it's nothing like it. You know, I've seen the script. It's completely mm-hmm. different. Uh, but it was one of those performances where people were like, he's so into it. He was so going to do it. So if I can get that title, I would love to do it because it's sort of in reference to a performance he wanted to give and didn't get the chance. And I think that's the other thing is that he really had a lot of potential to keep going, you know, well into his, you know, later life. Forever, forever. Yeah. There was never any doubt that he was one of those guys. I would actually if you can't get not fade away, you could easily call this Ron loves Bruno Kirby and get away with it because as much as I think I love Bruno Kirby, just going through this, yeah. I love him even more. Well, it's one of those things like when you say like I love Bruno Kirby and people are like Bruno Kirby and then right. you're like and you kind of have to go like with the quickest references that are stuff that you like instantly know and you're like best friend and when Harry met Sally and mm-hmm. young Clemenza and you're just there are so many performances that you miss because you're just trying to remind people of like a quick image right of here's this guy but i mean how do you leave out tin man how do you leave out you don't you don't leave exactly how do you leave out billy (laughs) crystal that's what i worry about right now i i'm i'm listen to my almost summer stuff but i I, you know i might have only seen almost summer one time i think catching it on network tv 
it might have aired on TV once. I got I got it on network TV. And I don't think it was even a wide release movie. I think well, it was you, like when I brought it up to you the, the first time that you said you you said to me I'll never forget you said only you and his family <laughs> have mentioned this movie. And oh, his neighbor Is that right? told me later that um she saw the movie because he told her there's a movie on tonight. You got to watch it. I'm in it. <laughs> so, I mean, it might have been a case of it aired on network TV one time and that was it. Because, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, it was a lot of people who became kind of famous. Well, you know, it was it was kind of what Ridgemont High kind of did this mm-hmm. a couple years later. Yeah. And the same kind of thing where it actually, you know, took off and worked that time. By the way, was this before or after Hotel California, because look how much the, the this looks like the Hotel California album cover. It's it really crazy. <laughs> I also I have to say I love the fact that if you have not seen that movie, that Almost scene is summer. never in the movie. Oh, of course not. I- of course it isn't. <laughs> they did that kind of shit all the time. Um, yeah, I mean, it's one of those, because of Love, which was the knockoff version of the Beach Boys, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> where, um, you know, Mike Love was still in the group, but, um, you know, they were still right. the Wilsons were still writing his music for him. Uh, the music is insane to listen to, because it sounds like tracks that never got onto a Beach Boy album. Well, all yeah. yeah, all their music always sounds like tracks that never get into the beach, but even their hits. Yeah. Do we know what year this was done, Chris? That was done in seventy uh, eight. He got the poster. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the poster. Which again, the poster image, nothing like the image in the movie. No, nothing at all. <laughs> now I'm dying to see this. All right, where are we at on the list, Chris? Number seven. What do uh, we got? The freshman. Now, I don't know how this could be your number one. I, I love him and the freshman he, so much I can't stand it. It's a lot of his friends' favorite performance because mm-hmm. it's like a parody of Bruno at his most Italian-American self. God, it's you know, good. Cause, <laughs> it's so good. And he's doing little bits and things. You know, he's wearing tuxedo right. you know, socks instead of regular socks. And, you know, his limp is insane it's like why does this guy have a limp someone must have beat beat him up or something right but and just about every line he has is a lie yeah just almost <laughs> everything out of his mind is a lie he's unbelievable in it and i mean there are things in this mo- i mean just the fact that he was allowed to work with marlon brando mm-hmm. uh, is the biggest thrill for anyone who idolized marlon brando as someone of that generation did and he of course did and you know, to have the little kid who played Clemenza getting to work with, you know, Vito Corleone is the biggest thrill in the world. Where he's doing a parody of yeah. Vito Corleone. <laughs> have you ever seen The Freshman? Oh, yeah. It was just it's unbelievable. It's great. so goddamn good. And I don't know why it doesn't make anybody's, like, great comedy list, because it's fallout funny. I know uh, it's the, a little bizarre, but the fallout funny. The writing is phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, I'll be, uh, the writing in that movie is absolutely some of the best ever and just the perform i think it's one of matthew broderick's best performances. Oh, i think so too i mean and he became incredibly close friends with matthew broderick they they 
you know, and according to a lot of people, he's probably his best friend living in New York City. So they, you know, it was a great time for them. They had a great time working together. He loved making the movie. It was the first film he ever got that he didn't have to go audition for. You know, is that which right? is a huge thrill for an actor to not have to come and audition for a performance. You know, to just say, this is your role. And it's it's all there on the page already. And can you imagine that, you know, somebody that we're acting like is is that great had to wait to what the eighties and was early nineties, ninety nineteen nineties, before that happened. That's insane to me. I mean, it was a great time in his career because he was doing when Harry met Sally when he got the got the role. Before so the, it was like before the crystal fallout. Yeah. So I mean, it was just yeah. <laughs> so it's just one of yeah, those situation. things that you know. There was a two-year period there where he was in such hot demand that it wasn't even... He didn't even need to have When Harry Met Sally come out before he got this role as a best friend. He, you know, was already on people's radar. All right, what do we got next? Well, I know. It's like, how does the freshman have I don't a know how, Yeah, I don't know how that's... Did you watch Homicide? No, I never did. Okay, there's a short hour of TV that is probably one of the best hours I've ever seen on TV, directed by Barry Levinson, called Gas Man, with um, the uh, Richard... Belzer? No, the, the actor who played his second lieutenant in uh, Good Morning Vietnam, that tall guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. know who you mean, but I don't and know his name. And he's out of jail and has decided to stalk to murder... Um, Andre Brower. And the whole episode, you are only following him for a full hour as he tries to murder a policeman. I have, again, <laughs> this is another one I've never heard of before. It could be a standalone short movie. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's everything that you see in the police station, everything that you see in the hotel that people are going in and out of is all seen from Bruno Kirby's perspective until the last scene in the movie where in the show where they kind of finally meet up. Mm. And it's one of the most thrilling things that was going to maybe be the series finale. Turned out the show came back. But I mean, for Barry Levinson to say, how do I end the show that's critically acclaimed? I'm going to get this person in who I love, but has never been on an episode of the show before. <laughs> I mean, speaks volumes about how much sure. Barry Levinson really, really, really cared about this guy. Did you talk to Barry Levinson? Oh, yeah. Was he terrific? He he sings the praises of the man. That's you know, great. He's like, he was just one of those guys who I could give anything to, and he would do it. And he would do more than he more than I thought he could do. So it's it's amazing and that's one of the greats of all time yeah being able to say that yeah. all right what do we have next donnie brasco donnie brasco uh probably one of those films that if as time goes by people are going to think it's even better and better yeah you know it came out in the middle of a bunch of gangster movies but it's pretty flawless I I think of those gangster movies, it's the most rewatchable gangster movie. Yeah. Because you see all these little things. And he's kind of playing a darker version of the character from The Freshman. Right. You know, and he just wants to be respected. And that's his downfall. Yeah. Because he can't be respected. <laughs> he's never going to get it. He is... Uh, he's terrific in it. It's a... Yeah. It's a 
it's you know when we sit around and talk about underappreciated or whatever with him, but it's just not the truth. There's so many great great things that he had the opportunity to do. You say he was in his mid fifties when he died. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And suddenly. Yeah, I mean, apparently, you know, within just a couple of weeks of oh. getting sick, he was gone. So it was just really tragic. I was crushed over it. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, again, Donnie Brasco, another terrific movie. It's always great, too, when a person gets and, in some films that are going to have some shelf life. And Barry Levinson produced it, mm-hmm. you know, if you think about it. And he loved working with Johnny Depp. He just thought Johnny Depp was, like, going to be the biggest movie star. Loved working with Al Pacino. Just thought he was the nicest guy. Pacino was great. And it has one of the biggest laughs I've had of any of the movies is his bizarre disco dancing in that movie. Yeah. Horrible. (laughs) And he's just so into it. And you're just like, woo, you are not good at that. (laughs) Just the whole fish out of water that they all are. In Florida. In Miami. Yeah. Yeah, Just terrible. (laughs) And um, the shocking thing of the death scene. Oh, it's one of the most shocking death scenes in the mob movie and there are a lot. Yeah. By the way, Hicks, uh, and I don't want to get off topic here, yeah. but Leslie seen active killing. Oh, I made him Jesus watch it last God. night. <laughs> I was so disturbed. I said, now you've got to watch it. It's, it's disturbing. It's, uh, I was like, I don't ever, I don't need to buy this movie. I don't need to rewatch this movie, but I would say everyone should probably see this movie. Yeah. You know, it's it's that good, but it's it's sort of like I don't ever want to watch Schindler's List again. I'm not yeah. even sh- yeah. yeah. I'm not it's even not sure I want to look at human beings and think of what they're capable of. Yeah. And just how nonchalant everyone is in that movie. It's just so Ugh. sickly. Yeah, when people say stuff like their caramel couch up with them or don't worry, they have to carry their rest of his life. I don't know if it's a problem. I think people end up being okay with things. Yeah. You know, they find a way that their actions are okay. Marijuana, alcohol. Mm-hmm. Right, these are all the things you, they do. How you say ecstasy. Yeah, <laughs> ecstasy. You're so old, dude. To yeah. I mean, the the one piece that really disturbed me was he was like, I would never wear white because of the blood. And you're just like, yeah, oh, yeah, God. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Just, Plus, the blood started to stink, so we yeah. had to think of another way. It was, it was just Ugh. more humane. Yeah, the main way to um, look cleaner. That was the thing they wanted. It was like it was just. I just felt kind of gross after I watched the movie, and I was just like, I don't. I was freaked watching. Yeah, but I mean, it is one of the great documentaries that has come out, and I do hope people see it because it says a lot about violence and humanity, and violence in film, and how why certain violence leads to other violence i mean and for me the whole thing of support the troops because these guys were the troops Mm -hmm. at the time like you have to be really careful when you say oh we need to support the troops or support the cops are they the good guys are they doing the right stuff and the big guy who like idealizes these older killers and he just like wants to and he's so kind of disturbing and you don't want to be around him and at the same time he's kind of entertaining because he's so oblivious he's bobby bacala yeah he's really bobby bacala the whole time yeah you know when you would see bob junior did you get that thing yeah like what are you doing being submissive you're the big one all right uh as this, it was only weekend. This ties completely in with Bruno <laughs> Kirby. Uh, as, but that death scene in Donnie Brasco, yeah, 
does exactly what it means to do. Of It's not done for thrill. It's not done to be exciting. It's done because you want to be specific. These guys, how fun they can be, be around, they're killers. Yeah. And they will kill their own people. They always kill their own people. Yeah. So one thing that you can expect out of a mob movie <laughs> is the most dangerous thing to be is with them. Be part of it. You know? I don't understand, like, if I just suddenly heard from Rob Cross, hey, you got to kill Chris today. <laughs> and for me not to go, what? what? <laughs> but it's Chris. They never argue. They're like, oh, shit. I got a really bad assignment. And how likable Bruno Kirby is in that movie. Yeah, he's terrific. And then to just think, like, oh, no, just don't do it. So fast. Yeah. So fast that you don't see it coming. Yeah. Uh, all right. Where, what number are we on now? Um, number four, uh, Brad. From the Gary Shandling Show. You love the Gary Shandling Show. Show. Probably even more than Larry Sanders, right? If you had to pick. I actually, I, I like both. There's mm. something about the Gary Shandling Show where he's so uncomfortable yeah. all the time, and it's so otherworldly where like they have the little car and mm -hmm. he's talking to i just like how odd it is you know it is so incredibly odd <laughs> and you know that some people had to look at that some hollywood people and say do you realize you're trying to ruin this yeah. for all of us <laughs> that you've brought it's one thing like to break the fourth wall but you're even making it's almost making fun of the fact that people watch yeah. tv shows i mean and i mean you hear about people you hear people say that Jerry Jerry Seinfeld was influenced, and you can definitely see it, but it mm -hmm. wasn't as strong an influence. Right. It was more like a cross between Jerry Seinfeld and I don't know Jackie Gleason. You know, kind right. of like I'm aware that there's an audience here, and I'm going to play to you guys, mm -hmm. and then I'm going to go do this. And there's no there's no need to worry about that third wall coming in. And what was it about? Uh the Shanling and, and Bruno Kirby because they were the worst best friends you could. <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean they're they're best friends. They're best friends the way again. Larry Sanders I think has a little bit of that in Curb Your Enthusiasm of he's probably a bad influence on Jeff Garland's character, mm -hmm. but there's something so easy for them to be around each other and they're hilarious. I love how self-deprecating he is in that performance. And a lot of people say, you know, he was kind of playing everybody's agent at that time. All these comics who had the same agent. He's kind of playing a version of that character. Right. Who was also, I believe, a producer of the yes. show. <laughs> and somebody that Shanling later sued. Um, but what's funny, too, is the kid, his kid on that show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so weird. Yeah. I, I, this isn't on TV. Anymore. It's not, but it's on DVD. So it came out. I as want a to box go back set. and watch him all yeah. again. I, he's only in the third and fourth season, mm. but he's um, and originally he was going to only be in a three-part episode as the agent, and he really wasn't going to be a character. And then all of a sudden, Gary just kind of liked having him around. He provided another energy to the performance, and it was like, 
well, I can write you in here, and I can write you in here, and it's a great performance. Yeah. And Fez, just say one word. Just say hi. Well, hello, everyone. There, there he is. He's been, he's been sitting there the whole time, right? Yes. But when I did that one mean thing, what was the mean thing? I acted like he was one of the killers in uh, Indochina. No, no. What, what did I do to him? I don't even remember. The crossback with uh, Billy Crystal. Oh, yeah, when I said, did I act like he and I were Billy Crystal and Bruno Kirby? Yeah. Okay. Um... Speaking of number three, mm-hmm. when Harry met Sally. When Harry met Sally Hicks, this is the one that you always say to me is your favorite film. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I love cat. I love cats. You know. He so loves that. You love the cat scene. Yeah. So I go, and so then I go to cats and pretend I'm jerking <laughs> off underneath the table. Well, that's really stupid because it was supposed to be about a fake thing, not actually doing it, but showing that a woman could fake her orgasm. Well, I'm not welcome back Which to cats. Which people don't realize at the time was this enormously edgy scene where some people were actually mad about it. Yeah, but I think it's funny. <laughs> so I like my version better. I actually used to do stuff at bars when I was young, when we would do like certain nights there, and it would be basically the ripoff of that scene where girls would come up and do the fake orgasm, and then people would bet on it, and they'd win the 50 bucks or whatever they supposed to win. It was some really great stuff I was doing on my way to the lower middle. Uh, Harry Met Sally is one of those uh, It's classic. It's just like a great, it's a great New York movie. It's Here's great. a weird thing, though, if you're Billy Crystal. I've had people tell me that Tom Hanks did that movie, that they throw in that and the other two as the Tom Hanks trio. What is the Tom Hanks movie? Be- well, Tom Hanks oh, did oh. The Sleepless in Seattle, <laughs> you, you know, cause, and, and you, you got, got mail. mail. <laughs> and they think of this as the first of a trilogy. They did a trilogy, though. What was this? Joe, uh, Joe versus, versus Volcano. Buc- no one has seen that. <laughs> I, I love Joe versus Volcano. I <laughs> adore Joe Volcano. <laughs> if I was to pick my favorite Tom Hanks movie, it would be that. Yeah, and I like Meg Ryan in that movie too. So that's so weird that no one ever throws that one in. <laughs> they never do because yeah. no one sees that. It was a movie that people completely reject it mm-hmm. because there's like movies aren't supposed to look like this. They're mm-hmm. making fun of us. It would do really well now, though. You I think bet. so? Yeah. Um, it reminds me of, um, what's his name, the guy that started to um, do the, the um, Eternal Sunshine. Oh, oh that's what I call G- it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gondry, yeah. uh, Spike, the, all that kind of stuff. It would have fit in perfect with them. Oh, I couldn't imagine. It, it, that would be a great thing for Michelle Gondry to like remake or something. <laughs> but when people say to me, I don't like that movie, I go, oh, now I know how I feel about you. <laughs> I'll do that with people. I smell reboot. In a a very off-subject thing, (laughs) I had a conversation with a girlfriend of mine, and we were talking, and we were like, there are movies that it's like, I immediately pass judgment on them if they dislike or like the movie. Oh, all all the time. (laughs) But I have a... And I don't do that with, like, other things, but there's something that's like, but... uh, I have to show them that movie, and then I'm like, oh, well, now I know what our relationship's going to be like. <laughs> uh, I have uh, a person in my family who I love, who it almost seems like on purpose <laughs> tells me that something is great what, just to make me mad. But <laughs> we were talking about the new Will Smith movie, the one that came out, Oblivion or whatever it After was. After Earth. After whatever, Earth. After Earth. And he goes, I am definitely going to see it, and not for Will Smith. But for his son, because that kid <laughs> blew me away in the karate kid. 
threw me away. And I'm like, and I had a, I'm, we're sitting at the dinner table. I start taking the knife and sticking it into my own chest. And I'm like, you like that, did you? But I, I am that way with movies that people tell me yeah. they like something horrible or hate someone who's great. Yeah. Uh, it's hard for me to get over it. Yeah. It, 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 I, I, I had that case with someone who it was literally like, she'd never seen this movie. I showed it to her because I thought she would like it. And she's like, this is now my favorite movie of all time. I'm like, we are now much better friends. Yeah, that will happen that way, too. Because <laughs> we are immediately on the same wavelength here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you, you constantly think to yourself, well, you're smart. Yeah. You like what I like because you're really smart. Okay, so number... Oh, well, I guess I didn't even say, but everyone knows why when Harry met Sally's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Young Clemenza is probably number two. Which is stunning, which people also... Forget. Do not think of him (laughs) in that role. They don't. 60 pounds heavier than he normally was, you can imagine. And he disappears into that. Yeah. And I think the thing that I love about it is, like, he does that very funny scene when he's going to get the rug. And then he does that terrifying scene when he grabs the gun mm-hmm. and he's like, this guy's going to shoot this police officer right in the head. He's not even going to think about it. But then they go right to a scene of him playing with a little kid. And you're like, yeah. that, that makes perfect sense. This man should be playing with a child. <laughs> yeah. Like, How did he pull that off? <laughs> it's really genius. A lot of people put this above the first one. I... I don't do that because I don't think it can stand alone. Mm. I think you needed the first one before you have the. I saw it before I saw the first. Did you one. really? Yeah. Oh <laughs> did you like it? Uh, yes, I did, and then I immediately went and watched the first one. But standalone, it worked. Do you Didn't... do that with all films? You no, see the second one. No, it was on TV. <laughs> it was just like on HBO or something, and I was inside, probably seven years old, watching the movie and. <laughs> It's like, this is great. And then I immediately went ahead and watched Godfather. I think it might have been a case of they were showing like a day of Godfather movies. Mm-hmm. So you were either going to catch God Godfather 1 or Godfather 2. It, you weren't going to... Did you live in New York City at the time? No. <laughs> because And you did, right, Chris? Yeah. Uh-huh. Was it weird for you to see something like that and go, oh, this is where I live, where the murders <laughs> take place? Because I did not ever have that. But to be able to sit and go, oh, yeah, we ate at that place, right, where that person's being put in the trunk of the car. Especially when uh, they, they shot him on the steps of the um, of the courthouse. That was, yeah. a re- oh, that was really, yeah. a, this is fucking nuts. At the end of one. Yeah. Did I, you realize though, like this is, this is my home. Murders <laughs> takes place here. Probably not when I first saw it because I was like a real little kid. Because as soon as my parents got a VCR, they're like we're getting the Godfather. <laughs> right. Sure. <laughs> that one you could start and buy movies. That's was one. that your first movie that you guys owned? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Well, we went to the video store. I I know for a fact the first movie I ever owned was E. T. And we watched it once. And never again. And my mother must have paid like $85 for that movie. <laughs> yeah, no, how come? You just didn't think she, it was someone just told her one time, like, you should get your kids E.T. And we watched it and we were like, it's fine. We were not into the movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so my mom was like, I wasted <laughs> 85 bucks on this movie. <laughs> eh, I don't know. He's kind of a monster, I guess. <laughs> uh, I know a lot of people who get scared by E.T. He's not that scary, but I just wasn't into him. Well, uh... <laughs> 
I got scared when I think he molested one of the kids. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it Is never it comes up, but he puts a cut? finger on him. Uh-uh. Straight. Right away. All right, we're at number one. This number one. All up on the entire bank. These are the essential and it, uh, essential films by Bruno Kirby. Unfortunately, we kind of gave it away because it's e. Good Morning Vietnam. Good Morning Vietnam. <laughs> Lieutenant Steve. Yes. Oh, Lieutenant Steve. <laughs> God, that is funny. <laughs> He's the worst radio DJ ever. He's so cringeworthy with his humor that you're just like, I don't... But he, ask anybody in radio, he is dead on as a, a PD. He's exactly the way the boss is at. But his line is so sad. Like, it's genuinely sad when he goes, like, in my heart I know I'm funny. You're like, yeah. oh, that's so... That's such a sad sentiment to have. <laughs> and yet... That's what happens to people in radio because they never get in front of people, you mm -hmm. know, so they think like I and this actually was a guy who did. He was a PD, but also did mornings. And he goes, we went out and did this thing and went bad. He goes, but I can only be funny in the studio. I can't be funny in front of people. <laughs> I don't know. You're just as bad in the studio. There's just no one there not to laugh oh at you, God. but they're not laughing in their cars. Radio was all for awful for the fact that people don't realize it when they're going in the wrong direction. I mean, and particularly this thing of like, there's just a necessary element of limited a number of people. You got to fill the airwaves with something, right? It's got to be on the airwaves with him. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's got so you bad. will get on if you make sure you're hanging around that station. Sooner or later, you will get on. But he's not a villain. That's the interesting thing. Like a lot of people are like, "Oh, he's so nasty." And he's not nasty. I don't he's think just he is pathetic. either. You know? Yeah, he is Sam from the ONA show. <laughs> oh, of course he is. And why wouldn't anybody stink up for Sam? Why would you let me get away with that? These are the essential Bruno Kirby uh, with one add-on. Oh, you I, got an add-on. I did cheat. A little teeny tiny bit, mm -hmm. largely because of I know how much you enjoy Larry Sanders. I do. And number two, because I think it's always something to say when people uh, play themselves well and with humor. Mm -hmm. And his performance of himself getting bumped over and over and over and over, over It's hilarious. One of the funniest scenes ever was the last scene of that episode where he tells him, I can't get bumped. It's the last episode of the show. Yeah. It's hilarious. And I should also say, the DVD of the Larry Sanders features his last performance ever captured on film. Wow. So, if you get a chance to watch the DVD of that and you go through the documentary, he's in the last part of it. Uh, Leslie, this was so much fun. <laughs> uh, LeslieCoffin.com if you want to check her out. But also, we said we'd bring you in and do 20 minutes. How long did we go, oh, no. Chris? <laughs> About an hour 10. About an hour 10. I'm so sorry. No, because we fell in love with it. I, I could have easily bumped you a long time ago, but this was so much fun to get in with. And Fez has been like a chatterbox over there, too. Take a breath, will you, Fez? <sighs>
And he has literally <laughs> taken a breath. Uh, Chris, we got to go to uh, break now. Have to break. Okay. <laughs> we do indeed have to break. But, Leslie, it was so great to see you. I'm going to have you back in. you keep uh, putting stuff up on the Interabang. Absolutely. And Absolutely. Uh, we'll bring you back in. Uh, I love how deep you went into this, and I can't wait for the book, seriously. <laughs> Thank you. I'm just such a gigantic fan Aww. of Bruno Kirby, and I cannot wait for this book. More uh, film talk. Yeah, we'll yeah. do more film talk. More going deep into things like the act of killing. <laughs> <laughs> the act of killing will go on again. Uh, we'll be right back. It's the Run of Fez show. <laughs> Fez Wally. Listen to Ron and Fez when you want. Go to SiriusXM.com slash on demand. So yeah, 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 as artist of the day. I'm saying. Chris Stanley, this is one of your, is it your absolute favorite band? Number one all time. Love it. I used to love these guys when they were called the Pretenders. I just... It's just, it's, I know it's a chick singing, yeah. Exactly like Chrissy Hind. You don't hear it? Maybe a little bit. Yeah, dead on. The uh, garbage is the same way. Same exact gimmick. All right, it's Ron and Fez show. I gotta get everything fixed up on this thing. Google headphones, everything. We're so busy. Hey, over on the iBank today. If you remember when we had uh, Adam uh, Corellis come in talking about um, hockey and uh, how they do that stuff for... Uh, is it Camp Patriot? Is that it? Camp Patriot, yep. Um, hey, Fezzy, there you are again. Um, he was in the same day as Jerry Barca, and Jerry Barca wrote up a really terrific article on this it's up in the new york times today so if you get the opportunity um go over to the ibang and click on it or go straight to the new york times but uh adam does some fantastic stuff and i'm glad that uh jerry barca was able to help bring some attention to it very cool it's combat veterans life during ice time you know, ice time instead of war time. Get on that ice. See what he did? That is a little wordplay. Yeah. Ice time. Icy. Icy. Hicks, let Fez talk. Sorry. Actually, 
I got, uh, I heard a little rumor about Fez today. Oh. I will, uh, well, yesterday Fez was nice enough to buy lunch for us. Do you remember that, Fez? Yes. And when the lunches were eaten, um, Fez comes back into the room last for some reason as Hicks has handed out the food. And he goes, yeah, I ordered a grilled cheese. Um, And I started to laugh because I knew somebody was already eating a grilled cheese. (laughs) It's so terrible. Like, the worst thing that could happen is somebody fucks up your lunch order. But the best thing in the world is when someone fucks up the lunch order to someone that you work with. Um, I don't know why. That, That becomes comedy. And st- when it happens to you, it's tragedy. <laughs> but when it happens to your friend, it's pure comedy. Well, and I'm not one to speak out of school. Yeah. But Shelby told me a story. Oh, really? That was done on purpose. That your lunch order was fucked up on purpose. <laughs> now, I didn't... Yeah. I don't even know who went and got the lunch. I know exactly who went and got it. If it was Molly, I'm going to really, you know, because I take, get Molly in here because I take responsibilities for her. Molly, get your ass in here. Don't say your ass like that because she's a nice girl. What is this? Just say, Molly, could you just please come into this room? Molly, just please come into this room, please. Now, Molly, I understand yesterday you purposely didn't bring back Fez's grilled cheese. Well, I wasn't here yesterday. Oh, then Fez, it couldn't have been her. I no. guess, oh, I guess yeah. it was no one. No, it was somebody, all right. And it was somebody on the intern staff. Was it Shelby? Because no. she's the one who told me Classic? that something happened. No, it wasn't Shelby. Shelby's the one who ate the grilled cheese. <laughs> that was meant for me. No. And, and for as thin as Shelby is and looks like he never eats, that thing was gone in record time. <laughs> oh, I saw what he was doing. He was just ratting it around the rest. It was like when a mouse just gets on the outside of things. So every piece was damaged and infected, <laughs> but he didn't swallow it all. Mmm, Shelby spits. So if it wasn't Shelby, no. and if it wasn't Molly, I know what. Maddie Ice, I think it was Maddie Ice. <laughs> Here's <Lauren>. this. <laughs> Twenty thirteen. Who was it, Fez? It was fucking Bob. <laughs> All right. So can I just point something out? This will teach you not to screw around with people because they will get you. <laughs> there is no reason that. why they intern who I went out of my way to try to help when his sorry ass got in here. Now, Fez says to me, too, he goes, no, he almost starts crying. And he goes like this, I wouldn't mind except for I have my workout tonight and I can't be low on blood sugar. So I'm like, don't worry, we're going to get you another grilled cheese. Well, then I... uh I said to my chick, I go, I, I try to tell it like it's a funny story. Like, Fez doesn't get his grilled cheese. Like, isn't that great? And she says, grilled cheese? Isn't that bad for his heart? And I'm like, yeah. You're not supposed to be a heart patient eating melted cheese. There's sometimes where that's all I can get in my stomach. Yes, but it's that, that's not good for your heart. <laughs> that's the worst thing. You're melting cheese... And butter on like a fried bread. Mm. It's like every bad thing. And then he's probably washing it down with a uh, a jolt cola. <laughs> a two liter. 
You were telling me something that the doctor said, uh, because when he goes to work out, they put things on his chest. Oh. Um, like he was the $6 million man or an astronaut. <laughs> like this I would, tried to pretend that. It would be really great if he was in his NASA training. But he said, I go, how did it go? And he goes, they made me lay down. What? Again, I try not to laugh. I go, why? And what was the reason they gave you? My heart rate does not slow down whether I'm exercising or not. Even at resting, it's at an exercise pitch. Oh, my gosh. It's working way too hard. And does it um, like does it elevate at all when you're exercising? It's just... Or it's just it goes like, even higher. Oh, my gosh. But it never... Even when I'm at a resting... So that's why they said you need to go lay down. Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, there's no place to lay down around here. They put me on a weight bench. Everything is, sounds like a scream with him, too. <laughs> like, there's no talking. It's just a constant state of anger or anxiety. When we were in the booth, and um, Fess came in to talk to the audience yeah. for the unmask, me and Pe- Pepper were in the booth, and it was just like, oh, my God. Just screaming at them. Inspiring. It was ju- it was ju- Sit down, everyone. <laughs> Rod Baddick going to be in here in a moment to talk to you about unmask. I wonder why they look frightened and disheveled. <laughs> Everyone's got a Fed story today. Just you know, it's Why don't just uh, you know, just relax, chill, mom. Yeah. So now I have. What did what did fucking Frankie goes to Hollywood tell you? Relax, don't do it when you want to start chew it. And that was about <laughs> your sandwich. <laughs> that shall be enjoyed. By the way, did you like that? I messed. Yeah, I did. I did. I think the gays are kind of. Uh, <laughs> They're too much trouble for me in the audience. We had an, an extra gay audience, and they were demanding. There they was were, one guy who was especially... I believe he was king of the gays. Yeah. And he was very demanding. Yeah, a little buddy with him, too. Um, and Fez just ignored his pleas. Instead of... <laughs> let, let, I get, tried to help him out, but you the taping was very, starting. You did very little, and your thing is to put that room at ease. And it was just a, a moment of tension. And I just thought, this doesn't happen in real life. Uh, Glenn in Philly, you're on the Manifest Show. Hey, buddies. The uh, Emmy nominations were announced this morning. And a show that was not aired on a single TV network, uh, House of Cards, got nominated. Very interesting. And I think we're seeing the very first of uh, something that's going to happen a lot in the next uh, 10 years. Then, then everything should be nominated that isn't on TV. Like a tree should get a nomination, <laughs> or my dog, bird dog. Why aren't web shorts getting it? Then between two ferns should be fucking racking up Emmys. That's actually a good point. Why aren't YouTube shows? What the fuck? Maybe that's where we're heading with this. Maybe the YouTube shows are going to get Emmy nominations or Tubies. That's what I want to start. <laughs> what about Yuli's? That's cool. I only I only hang a Yui if I have to turn around. Eight six six Ron, Angry Fez. Eight six six Ron, fast heart beating Angry Fez. Um, is uh, Shelby around? Classic Shelby. Classic Shelby is in the house. Yeah, come on over for a second, would you, Shelby? Come on, Shelves. Make it on in. I know Pips has problems today, right? Yeah, he'll he'll be in shortly. Boy, that's some gang you got. <laughs> Uh, yeah. The text message is going on late at night or fucking crazy. Oh, and speaking of the Emmys, congratulations to Tony Hale, unmasked guest, nominated for Veep. 
Oh, oh. Nice. is he up on uh, Ron Bennington interviews now? No, not yet. Hmm. It's weird. We could have sent everybody there. It's over a week. Hasn't been put up yet. That's weird. Oh, hell, the gang's all here. I did I miss say anything about what happened yesterday with Bob? And why were you so happy that you got you ate a grilled cheese and Fez didn't? What's delicious? Supplement. I was just happy that Bob screwed up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> screwed up or did it on purpose? I think he did. And quite frankly, the only thing he can do at this time is get even with the fucking man. He was laughing maniacally. Yeah. I was too. <laughs> I was in here and I almost couldn't finish my sandwich. I was so fucking happy. I have no reason to think that he didn't do it on purpose. Of course he would have. Why are you so angry? Because now I know it wasn't just oh another mistake. Gotcha, bang bang. I'll get, I'll cover it next time. What does that mean? Gotcha, That's bang, bang. That's how Bob talks. The fingers. Oh. I saw him do that. You don't like the Bob too much, even though he's not in here. You're busting his balls. Yeah, I, I don't care for him. I tried to help him. Well, why didn't work out? And now and why now can't the you revenge is on. I why guess. can't you focus on the positive things? He's good at sports. He got you your lunch. He does he a lot of great things. Get me my lunch. He gets Molly, shopping you, my lunch. Molly, you know what I'm talking about here, right? Doesn't he always go out of his way to get lunch for people? Um, yesterday, I guess he did. And okay. Went out of his way also to not get lunch for some people. Are you and Bob dating? No. <laughs> I don't want that to happen. I think it's just a summer fling. They don't call it dating. <laughs> it's just, you know. I don't know how that works. Friends with Bennies. <laughs> um, like Benef speed? No, no, no. <laughs> benefits. Friends with benefits. Keeping Molly, it. you think this is the way. Um, <laughs> keeping it cash. You're just keeping it cash? Yes. Oh, with what? <laughs> with Bob. With Bob. You and Bob are having cash. No, I, I wouldn't say we're having anything. Mm. Uh, your parents aren't home yet from Scotland? No, they're not. Your friends don't know that your house is empty? No, they don't. Why don't we throw Good. a party? <laughs> no. We should throw a fucking party. Just like a kegger. Just get one keg. You can smoke in there, right? No. Yeah. Oh, if it's a party, people are going to start smoking. You can't control everyone. Just open the blinds. Yeah. Not it's even the windows, just the blinds. Yeah, the blinds let everything out. Fucking air out. It's fine. I don't know what you saw under the dome, but somehow things can come in and out. By the way, what a shit show that turned into. <laughs> that fucking Stephen King doesn't try. It's awfully a long time, right? Oh, is it? Molly, how long is that show going to be on? Have they said how many episodes they're doing? They're only doing 13, right? It's, yeah, I think that's what they said. Okay. It's not, it's not a miniseries. It's just a season of a TV show. I don't, no, uh, it's 13. Yeah, it's 13 episodes. Yeah, that's way too long. Miniseries, four episodes max. Yeah, but a lot of miniseries will be on for two hours a night. So really, this thing could have been a miniseries. Oh, it's one hour. It's one hour a week. Yeah. That fucks me up. Yeah, it's 13 episodes. Because that's never happened with a TV show before. And not a single interesting thing has happened since the fucking dome dropped. So they just, don't know what they're doing ever. They're going about their fucking life. Like Not only that, but for some reason, the people in the dome aren't talking to the people on the outside of the dome, even with, like, signs. It's retarded. They just ignore each other on either side of the dome. And I'm like, put up a sign like, hey, can you see me? Because you seem to be fucking ignoring me. I'm in a dome right now. I can't tell you how freaked out I am by this. Uh, has there been any suicides yet? Like, mass suicides? No, but there's been plenty of deaths. Plenty. Everybody got meningitis. 
<laughs> yeah. All right, you're watching. For real? Yeah. Yeah. Meningitis, by the way, can be fixed in a second just uh, using some antibiotics. It is a fucking um, awful show. Here's Chris in Hollywood. You're on the Run and Fez show. Hey, guys. Congratulations again on entertaining me every day. I'm way into work in Hollywood, but uh, oh. I, have an update for, I have an update for Pepper, which is between Two Ferns is nominated for an Emmy this year in the category, I, I think it's a special series short form or something like that. It's a new category. And Between Two Ferns, Galifianakis, they are nominated. Because it was on Comedy Central, like a special. All right, what an asshole you are, Chris. You try to bring up one fucking thing to show, and it's already done. People are already just on my dick, like fucking nobody's business. Like goddamn white on rice. <laughs> like cheese on a grill. But why don't you just give an example that doesn't exist? Not when it's already done. I mean, like, what's next? Is Cheers going to win an Emmy? <laughs> Is that it? Chris, do me a favor. Yeah. No, yes, not sir. you. This, Chris. Get me to Hollywood immediately. Thank you. Talk to your people and have them get me some people and then talk to those people. Ron, we got to get you guys to Hollywood. We got to get a camera on you guys and get you here so that you guys can have a whole shuffle at me. That's all I want. That's all I want. All right. Thanks, buddy. Have a great day today, sure. buddy. You too. Bye-bye. So was Ba happy about this uh, grilled cheese thing? Over the moon. All right. There and you he have pulled it. Off his Do me a favor. When you see him again, when's he do back in here tomorrow? Monday. Monday. Okay. If you bust him on this, Fez, don't be a fucking rat and give up the person we got. Because this kid will watch all the interns for me right now. Shelby will be our eyes and ears in intern row. I appreciate Shelby coming to me with the truth. He didn't come to you with the truth. <laughs> he fucking laughed with me at it, and then I told you. <laughs> what you don't have appreciation for is me. Oh. He just, he just fucking revamped this whole thing as if somehow Shelby asked if he could get a moment. Uh, Fez, I need to tell you something. I know I just eat, ate the sandwich, but that guy is fucking laughing at you. First of all, Fez, before I say this, everyone in the family is fine, so relax. But I do have something to tell you that's important. Oh, Jesus. It's getting wild. Well, it's a wilding. Buckwild. Really wish the riots were went off just so I could have gotten some free shit. Well, maybe Saturday they will. Here's hoping. Saturday is when everybody marches on whatever uh, federal things. Shelby, you were going to do the five for us this week, right? And it was going to be Calvin and Hobbes. Yep. It's the five. Now, I had uh, brought this up before. I'd never have been a, a guy who read the Calvin and Hobbes. And didn't even know until recently, I thought it was supposed to be for little kids. And you told me, no, it wasn't. And you want to give some examples. It is for people of all ages. From 8 to 80? Would it be from 8 to 80? Sure. Okay. 7 to 81, even. It doesn't make as much sense. Yeah. Sound is good. All right, so what do you got here? You put up a five for us. We have the essential Calvin and Hobbes cartoons. Now, you know, there's only five. I just picked uh, some of the best ones. There's over 3,000 done. So these are the best of 3,000. These are the essential ones that really show what made this strip great and how 
and why over 45 million of the books were sold and people 45 million still read them to this day i'd love to read i'd like to sell half that many books let's put up biggest see how many books the far side sold okay because you've never even heard of, i brought up the far side to me and you act like i'm a lunatic well, there's vultures they're hanging out i guess I don't know what that means. You just fucking sound like you're high. <laughs> you don't know what you mean. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's good. I'm not seeing any. Right, never mind. There's, there's 22 of the books, though. You took us off fucking topic anyway. So go ahead, back to your thing, Shelps. Don't let fucking Chris throw you off. Let's see how many. Well, for the first comic, or this first strip, rather, it's dealing with a topic that you probably wouldn't expect to see. In you know the funny pages of a paper, they like to, you know, keep it light, not really make you think at all. But he's, he, they have like a child talking about you know the existence of Santa Claus, and it ends. You know, he's kind of well. Why don't we do this? Why don't we have you and Chris play the two characters, and maybe like we could see what it'd be like if they ever start cartooning this shit. Right. So Chris, who do you want to be, Calvin or Hobbs? I like the tiger. That's Hobbs, or is that Calvin? It's Tiger is Hobbs. All right, then I'm Hobbs. All right, so let's do it. All right, this whole Santa Claus thing just doesn't make sense. While the secrets, while the mystery, if the guy exists, why doesn't he ever show himself and prove it? And if he doesn't exist, what's the meaning of all this? I don't know. <laughs> Isn't this a religious holiday? Yeah, but actually, I've got the same questions about God. Blowing minds right there. Yeah, my mind's fucked up on that one. I like Calvin's voice, but I thought fucking Hobbs was ridiculous. What? It's, 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 oh, no. Shouldn't I do the standard dumb voice? It's a fucking uh, tiger. But why should he be dumb? Tigers are fucking um, strong and, and fast and, I don't know, like filled with tiger meat. It's a stuffed animal. It doesn't have a brain. Looks real to me. It's real to me, damn it. Alright, so these are, this is the kind of wit that we've been lo missing out on. Yeah, like you, you know, like a comic strip like Dilbert, it's just people in like an office, you, like, you think it's, you know like somebody's laughing out there, but you're probably not, and But really... see, here's the thing about Dilbert, it is true about the ties, this joke's about the ties, <laughs> And also our cubicles. <laughs> God, those things are so small. Maybe it's me, but I got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> me too. And that's weird because it's only Thursday. Hey, working for the weekend, right? What do you mean? Like we're working just to get to the weekend. I never even thought of that, but yeah, I guess I am doing that. <laughs> yeah, see, think about it. Yeah. Is Dilbert still around? I, I believe it is, yeah. Um... Here's uh, Charlie. You're on the Run of Fest show. Buddy B, when Shell did the 42 comic albums, I'm like, well, all right, he's on a high. He can't come back. And then I said, comic strips. You can't really see that on the radio. When I heard them do the comic, please, this is the greatest thing ever. Can we get all 3,000 comics done by Sheldon Pepper, please? Well, please? let's uh, go to the bottom one because that's a lot of Calvin and Hobbes in there. And maybe these two. Now, Chris, can you... Not make your voice such a fucking cliche. <laughs> okay, I'll switch it up. I thought it made the tiger sound good. Are you doing it now? No, this is just... Okay, I voice. don't know. So you need to somehow 
set us up. There should even be like a, a little music that happens. So we realize that we're in comic world okay. and not the radio world. All right. We're entering comic world now. Did Fez grab your music bed or is he just watching? No, there's no music playing. Okay. So, all right. Now, you're going to be Hobbs the tiger. Yeah. Filled with tiger meat. Uh, yeah, I'm a ti meaty tiger. And this is Calvin, the little boy. All right. What are you doing? Being cool. You look more like you're being bored. <laughs> the world bores you when you're cool. Look, I brought a sombrero. Now we can both be cool. A sombrero? Are you crazy? Cool people don't wear sombreros. Nobody wears sombreros. The what fun is it if being cool if you can't wear a sombrero? I'm back. See, I put on some Mickey Mouse pants. It'll be cool, these boy. Just look at these big yellow buttons. Mickey Mouse pants, you don't look cool. You look like an idiot. Hmm. Maybe I'm New Wave. You're just stupid. I want to wear those. End of, end of cartoon world. Insane. Oh, okay. I was mesmerized. Thank you. Again, Calvin, dead on. Yeah. Hobbs, no. Molly, if you could isolate that audio and send it to the Radio Hall of Fame, <laughs> I'd appreciate that. That hurt. That hurts me. You're just not as good as voiceover as he is. He's got a naturally funny voice. Yeah. And you, you know... Do the standard thing. What standard thing? I'm like first. I'm like like a, like a like a dumb tiger. Now I'm like a gruff tiger. Believe me, I've done voiceover work myself, and I understand lazy. <laughs> and you're being lazy. I'm not lazy. Every character I've ever done has been gruff guy. Like, hey, get out of here. And that's all you're doing. <laughs> I gotta find it's shit. Hob. Oh come on. Cobb, uh, Hob should be fucking cute and cuddly. <sighs> If I'm going to be honest that. about this, yeah. I think Fez would make a better Hobbs. If I was booking this deal, yeah. you we would not be sending this through. Now, I got my Calvin. Yeah. He's not even changing his voice at all. But he shouldn't. Most, most voiceover people, they just have a fun, unusual voice. And that's, uh, and that's what they sell. You, on the other hand, think I'm gruff guy. At times. Hey, I'm a tiger. Filled with tiger meat. Yeah, a meaty, delicious tiger. All right, some people are being really rough on the Calvin and Hobbes. <laughs> um, and Liz Fire says, I love classic Shelb almost as much as I love Calvin and Hobbes. Uh -huh. And I didn't... Um, this person, Jace, writes, I didn't know centaurs and tigers sounded like... Stroke mouth lummoxes. You're you have a stroke. <laughs> um, here's Jeff. You're on the run of face show. Hey buddies, how are y'all this afternoon, man? Good. Man, I, you know, Ronnie, I think this is a fucking conspiracy against Fez, man. I think these little fucking interns are trying to give the poor boy a heart attack, man. Why is that? Well, to keep fucking up his lunch, conspiring against him behind the scenes, spreading lies and rumors and whatnot. I'm afraid the pork boy's going to fucking keel over and die right there on the spot, man. All they did is not bring him a grilled cheese sandwich. I don't understand uh, how that could lead to his uh, his demise. I'm calling Alex Jones with this conspiracy. I've got an idea, because I see uh, Hobbs is kind of being cute 
and sweet, right? Because it's a stuffed animal. Yeah. Maybe we get Molly to do this work. Exit uh, Stanley. Enter Molly. By the way, is Pips here now? Pips just got to, got in. Pips, you never have to come in for a half day, buddy. They don't let fucking Chris Stanley push you around when you've got health problems at home. No, that's all right. I want to be here, Ron. How's your girl? Uh, okay, I guess. Not really any solutions or answers. Just kind of guesswork. It's got to be difficult that you guys are dealing with it all the time. Yeah, it's frustrating on her end because she's tired of going to the hospital over, oh, absolutely. And over and over again. The only thing to make you feel better is a little bit of Calvin and Hobbes. It's a uh, it's a fun comic strip that all the kids are loving right now. Hasn't been on in years. Well, maybe we're fucking bringing it back. You ever hear a retro? True. I'm thinking about opening up an 80s restaurant. I'm going to call it Bennigan's. <laughs> Doesn't that exist already? Not anymore. Thanks for keeping up, Chris. All right, you guys want to try a little Calvin and Hobbes? Sure. All right. Which one? This one? Well, unfortunately, every one with Hobbes has already been done. Well, that's only two. We, I could, we just do another with one? The you want to go find another Calvin and Hobbes? Yeah. All right, we'll go find some more. We're getting rid of Chris Stanley. Oh, this hurts. I really wanted to do well in the voiceover game. Uh, I worked on a uh, comic strip for a while, but it didn't go anywhere. Oh, what was it? It was called That's My Nutsack. <laughs> and, um, Did it get published in any papers? Or mm -mm. At least a book of them, maybe? No. What was it about? Just a guy in his nutsack. But it always end up, the final panel would be, you know, he'd be screaming, Hey, that's my nutsack. Would people be punching it or hurting it? All different. You know, I mean, there's just, just tons of different fun things that could happen. Weird. All right, we're ready. Yeah. All right, this one has a third character, the mom. I guess Hex can be the mom. <sighs> you want to be the mom? I'll be the mom. Okay, that's I great. Want, You're still part of the show. Yeah, you're still part of the show. Look, it says you have to be 18 to buy cigarettes. 18, by then I'll know better. <laughs> sure! Mark. Mom, can I have a say? <laughs> uh, can we just, uh, everything was going along until Chris Stanley got involved. All right. Uh, I, I, I'm having trouble seeing. I might need glasses. <laughs> yeah, when you can't see a foot away, then you need glasses. Yeah, it's bad. Wait, is this still the bit that you're no, doing? No, no, no. This, this is stop. This is, <laughs> this, is, this is people talking. You know, wait, let me just jot some things down. This is reminding me of an idea I have for, hey, that's my nutsack. Oh, <laughs> I'd love to see that. I mean, that's like... No, 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 the comic book. <laughs> okay, is this still the bit? I don't know. No, it's not a bit, no. All right, let's try it again. This is Calvin and Hobbes. From the top. Look, it says you have to be 18 to buy cigarettes. 18? By then I'll know better. Hey, Mom, can I have a cigarette? Sure, Calvin. I think your grandfather left some here. Just smoke outside, okay? Wow. Your mom let you have a cigarette? Yeah, for a mom, she's pretty cool. <coughs> You'd think this would be an easy habit to break. Well, well, well now, did you relearn a lesson today? Yes. Trusting parents can be hazardous to your health. And seeing. That's amazing Ooh. stuff. So this woman's just letting her kids smoke fucking cigarettes? <laughs> that happens. Where was she when I was growing up? Mm, somebody wrote, if only Calvin had a pet centaur instead of a tiger. 
I don't even know what that means. The five Calvin and Hobbes is up on the iBang right now. Um, I don't know, Chris. I I'm not the, sure if you're right for the mother. I thought the mom was dead on. <laughs> Here's Rob in Nebraska. You're on the Run of Fest show. Hey, what's going on? Yeah. Um, I think you better stick with the girl's voice because he doesn't do a very good tiger voice because it sure sounds like he's trying to do uh sound like the Kool-Aid guy. Kool-Aid guy? I didn't even know he Yeah, you are doing like the Kool-Aid guy a little bit. Let's do it again. But the mom comes running through the wall (laughs) and everyone's so happy because she has Kool-Aid. And cigarettes? Oh, yeah. (laughs) That was good. Sounds like Fez wants to be the mom. The real mom. Uh, Good news for you, Fez. The queen approved gay marriage. And they now say that 99% of English people are going to get uh, gay married. It's very strange how progressive Great Britain was to do that across the entire country, but they had to wait till the queen, who holds no real power, put her stamp of approval on it. So yet, very old, old medieval school. That's true, Fez. Uh, Woody Allen came out and said he wants to write a movie for him and Louis C.K. to star in. Holy shit. Um, and Hicks, you're a hero. The, by the way, you notice Fez is angry about even gay marriage being passed <laughs> in England. It's a There's nothing that can make him happy it's anymore. Positive. Just it's nothing. As soon as he went into this, like, <laughs> like the, uh, some people can't win. Um... And Kai the Hitchhiker has been hospitalized. Oh, no. What happened? Um, some jailhouse shit went down. Oh, my God. Looks, he's, he was brought to the hospital for, it looks like, self-inflicted wounds. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. It's dark. He has to he's be a- constantly hitting somewhat, something with a hatchet. <laughs> Kai ain't going to take any shit. Not even from himself. <laughs> Um, Adam, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, buddy, it's uh, BA uh, 16337. That's old school, so I'm going to give you this. So I was at the uh, gym, and this midget walked up to me with some boxing gloves, and I was like, hashtag, that's my nutsack. I like it. Be smart to put hashtag in front of everything right now. You want that shit to trend. By the way, if you want to read Jerry Barker's thing, you can go to the iBank. Very, very happy that he wrote this. Also, you go to the New York Times or hashtag, hey, that's my nutsack. That's the way I do it. Um, here's Jay in Canada. You're on the Run and Fest show. Hey, hey guys, how's it going? I'm uh, just curious if uh, the Shelby got in the clips of like uh, any time that uh, Hobbs jumped on Calvin or was hunting him was always a classic. Didn't matter what way they did it, it always got a kick out of me and my six-year-old right now he's just grabbing the greatest of uh, calvin and Hobbes. he loves me reading them to him even though he doesn't get like three quarters of them i don't think he ever will i think some of them you're just not going to get um hicks i'm really starting to feel molly now as Hobbes, obviously calvin i got to i'm trying to get him into a multi-picture deal <laughs> You as the mom. Yeah. Is there any way you could play it taller? 
It just you, seems like you're <laughs> through sound, too how, short in this. How do you play it taller through just sound, since this is just voiceover work? I don't think I can. By the way, today was a very exciting day for me today, because I got to meet, face-to-face, -face, Brian Baker. Brian Baker. He sends a lot of stuff into the, the iBank, and uh, he and Kyle, to me, are the two monsters. The two bang -em out monsters. They're nasty. That was first nasty time in a good way, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, positive. I never know. No positive. Um, yeah, the first time I met Brian Baker, too. Game pound, dog. Of weed? No, 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 no. Like a fist pound. You punched you know? him? No, it's just like a pound. You blow it up and you have a great time. Camaraderie. Like ass? No, I'm not banging <laughs> fucking people in the ass. Can I just say something? Yes. What you're doing now is where I want the mom to be in this. <laughs> All right. This is it, okay? All right. I want more you there uh -huh. and less of your freshman fucking theater class in. <laughs> Okay? That hurts. Yeah. <laughs> it should hurt. It hurts, man. It I should. fucking killed in that class. Yeah. Pain is weakness leaving the body. Oh, Remember that. All right. I'm going to write that shit down. Don't write it down. Act. Okay? Okay. That's all I want from you. I don't want you to play the mom. I want you to fucking be the mom. All right. I wanted to get yeah. so weird for you <laughs> yeah. that you you end up walking around town Thinking you're Calvin's mom. Thinking you're Shelby's mom. Uh, no, Calvin. Now, who's Shelby? <laughs> Shelby's playing Calvin <laughs> and doing it perfectly. Well, I'm, well, I'm the mother now, right? I've got the perfect person to play this instead if you're out. Bah. The sandwich man. The guy, let's face it, he never makes a mistake. He makes mistakes <laughs> all the time, including, well, yesterday, a, I guess, a fake mistake. A mistake. Anyone? Mm. <laughs> okay. Where he went for lunch and then purposely didn't get mine. Oh, we're all in on the plan now, Ba. We're not in on it. We're I got mine. It was delicious. <laughs> yeah, I got a great tuna melt. <laughs> Can't get enough of those things. <laughs> it disgusts me, though, that it's an open-faced sandwich and you still have it delivered. No. And you're eating it like it's a slice of pizza. It's it, I, I don't really like it that much, but I do like tuna fish and I like some cheese on it. So I just, I, why don't they just say, put a fucking top on it, and then we got a sandwich? Uh, why, did, why did anyone even start? Where did it come from, an open-faced sandwich? Open-faced? I believe it came from fucking Nazis. Fucking dirty, scumbag Nazis not putting two pieces of bread together. I don't like an open face. Well, I'll say this, though. Peanut butter and jelly on toast as an open face. Yes, because it's like a little snack. It's not like it's a meal. But when I see you up yeah. eating a sandwich without a top yesterday. With a big, thick fucking yeah, sandwich. Yeah, I had to turn my head away from it. I love I, an open face. Really? Why didn't you get one yesterday? Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, you got nothing. Oh, I wasn't going to get anything yesterday. You like an open face to come is what you like, Fez. Oh. Um... Let's go over here to uh, Brian. You're on the Run of Fest show. Brian. Hey. Yeah. Uh, my friend was sitting on the bench, and I, I thought he sat in gum, but he said, no, hashtag, that's my nut sack. That's fantastic. It's starting. See? Um, and somebody wrote to me, oh, there already was a Bennigan's. But I said I was going to do my bar called Bennigan's. He wrote back, there already was a Bennigan's. Yes, motherfucker, Jerry <laughs> Mack. Uh, 
I got to take a minute to talk to my best friend in the whole world, Janice in Chicago. Oh. Hi, Janice. Hi, Ronnie. How are you? Well, I got um, my was... problems. I left an e-cigarette at home today, but whatever. I'll have it when I get home later. So oh, do you I like those? It now. It's an intern out to grab one. I was actually calling because... Fuzzy, why are you never happy? I it's thought you'd be so happy when you're not you happy. Wanna... Get to be happy. Get happy. Janice, would you be happy if you were purposely left out of the lunch that you bought for everybody? I don't think you were. Plus, that comes across a little uncomfortable that you have to say that you're the one who paid for it. I mean, it makes the rest of us look like shit. <laughs> that's really tacky. I'm pointing it out because that's what Bob did. I, I handed Ba the money. Ba? <laughs> Poor Fuzzy. <laughs> Why can't you be happy? Janice is right. We're saying this in you. You took two hours, you didn't say nothing today. It's and now you're unhappy. And I was cutting out articles I, as I find them about uh, gay rights being passed and everything, and I thought he'd be so happy with the England thing. <laughs> no, he never is. <laughs> Shit! Uh, that was a great interview, by the way, with Leslie Coffin. Oh, yeah, she's fun, isn't she? She's so sweet. Yeah, was, she was a delight. It was yeah. really nice. She actually, I want to, she left a, a present behind for Molly. And this was the thing that she said that was so nice. It's uh, Crossing Delancey. Mm. It's really one of those great New York movies. But then she goes, every New York girl should watch this movie. I thought that was the nicest thing ever. Aww. We're not oh, used to meeting it, nice people. It is a great movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to see it. Maybe you'll watch it tonight. Yeah, I think I will. When you're having your party at your house. No party. Kegger dog. Nope. <laughs> oh, that's right. The folks are out of town. Yeah, out the of folks the are out of town. <laughs> I used to, if my parents would leave to go shopping, I'd be rolling a keg in the back there. <laughs> And I go, no, dude, with this, yeah, this is only, we can only do this for like 35 minutes. <laughs> Start pounding them. I'll bring the tap. Molly, I'll bring the tap. I have one at home. <laughs> They're going to be gone for 20 minutes. Let's go. There was this uh, article in the paper about the, these kids, teenagers, that had a party, and this 35-year-old man crashed it and was like getting partying with them. He lived in the neighborhood, and then he died. <laughs> He died at their house. So the parents come home and there's a dead body there. Holy shit. That's fucking great. Besides the guy dying. Oops. Hex, <laughs> uh, what would be the youngest person that you could party with and not feel uncomfortable? I get, uh, 22 years old. I could party with. I could party with a 22 year old. Like they just got out of college. I'm right. like, come on, dude. Let's Could do you it. road trip with them, though? You and three 22 years. Me, Kokomo Joe, and Shelby. Could I take a road trip with those guys? All right, I might set that up. <laughs> I might set that up. And get seriously wasted. I gave our uh, foosball table to a young couple that used to work with my husband. And when we took it over to their house, uh, I was older than her mother. It didn't bother me, but it seemed to bug the shit out of her mother. <laughs> and I also made them promise not to ever spin the rods when they're using oh, I don't the like spinners. table. I'll start swinging to somebody that starts spinning. Oh, it, <laughs> we used to be nuts. In fact, uh, my husband once had a broken wrist, so he dug a hole into the cast so he could still fit the rod. <laughs> I remember in my neighborhood, if someone started to spins on the foosball, you would hear a racial thing. Oh. 
even if it's some so like wrong. A, even if it's like a positive racial, like, hey, we're white here, that's still kind of <laughs> uncomfortably racial. Yeah. I'm catching on to it now. By the way, you will hear something racial t- uh, tomorrow when we play Wanda Sykes. Oh yeah. She brings up an Asian thing. <laughs> For some and though she did a piece like don't call things gay, like to tell kids that you don't want to say like, Oh, there's your shoes, they're gay. But you can say <laughs> the Asian joke. Yeah. See, here's the Funny, thing. I grew up with a girl named Gay. I often wonder. I hope she kept her sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> so cute. All right, sweetie, talk to you okay, later. Thanks. Bye. Love you. Uh, who's nicer than Janice? She's really the best. nice. She holds down Chi Town. Chi Rock. Chi Rock. Uh, Bruce, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, hey, Ron. Last night I brought a guy home from the bar and we decided we'd finally have sex. I had to turn around and ask him, Are you in yet? And he said, No. Hashtag, that's my nuts. 866 Ron Zero Fez. Join that for uh, a second. Mike, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron. Love you, no lunch, Fizz. Uh, I got on the elevator yesterday. Yeah, I'm standing there with sweatpants on. I went, what is that smell? He said, hashtag, that's my nutsack. See, it's this simple. It's this simple to get going. And I believe there's a lot of money in it. I really do. And, I mean, you don't believe me. Listen to my friend, no lunch. I mean, he's a guy (laughs) who knows. Um... I have a sensible shake in the morning, then no lunch, and then another sensible shake at night. I'm on the bar diet. (laughs) Sometimes I'll sit and watch eight co-workers eat their sandwich. (laughs) All right. um, I just uh, went fishing with my blind friend. He said, I think I got something. I said, no. Hashtag, that's my nutsack. That's from Dogface J. Director Sasha, someone tried to steal my nuts for nuts last night, and I was all like, hashtag, hey, that's my nutsack. Chai Sox fan, uh, I jumped the border fence, but something was holding me back. Hashtag, hey, that's my nutsack. Uh, let's go over to our buddy, Andy in Cleveland. So the other day, my buddy's listening to this great new thing at the comic strip on the radio. I said, what you listening to? He said, Capote and Hobbs. I said, that's not Capote and Hobbs. Hashtag, that's my nutsack. Oh, see, it's wow. so simple. <laughs> I love I, that it wasn't too wordy, too. I do most of the writing of this. <laughs> and then, of course, the drawing is done by No Lunch, my <laughs> partner. I, did, I get it done during lunchtime when I'm not busy. <laughs> Make sure you don't get any crumbs on that. Oh, that's right. You've got no lunch. I don't know why, but as soon as I see the Hicks go like the... He's, he's like in an empty bag, looking in an empty bag. By the way, while he's still eating... And then he's going, yeah, I ordered a grilled cheese. And I saw this motherfucker leave like minutes before with his grilled cheese. So He was so happy he was eating it as he was walking out the door. Loving it. Loving every single bite. It was so fucking funny to me. All that was left was a pickle. And then when Fez's voice cracked with it, I wouldn't mind so much. But with that workout tonight... I needed the protein. Well, what were you going to do if you didn't order lunch here? 
And you're not getting great protein out of a fucking grilled cheese sandwich. You've got to stay away from melted cheese. You've got four heart attacks. You know why? You why? eat melted cheese. Um, well, we're in New York. Food options are kind of limited. <laughs> exactly. Oh, you ordered a melted cheese. <laughs> That's exactly right. Here's a uh, lady trucker. How you doing, lady? Hey, Ronnie. Let's play catch. You got the balls. Hashtag, that's my nutsack. All right, that makes no lot of sense. Sean, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yesterday, I ordered lunch for everybody, and I looked down, and I had nothing to eat, and I looked over and said, hey, hashtag, that's my nutsack. <laughs> See? It's simple. Um, there are, I'm not even kidding, I just went over, and people that wrote in to me said, I love hearing Janice on the radio. Please, can Janice call in every day? My favorite part of the day is when Janice calls. People just adore her. She's the best. Yeah. She is what I call anti-fez. She's not angry. And she gets a nice lunch with everybody. <laughs> She's with the rest But of do them. you understand that she sounds happy and it makes people sound, feel happy? Yes, her you, laugh is infectious. But you sound angry, so it makes other people feel angry. I guess I'm just hungry. Why don't you order out? <laughs> if you're doing, get me something, too. Well, Jim's starving. Oh, hell yeah. Let's go to five guys. <sighs> I really like the first four. That fifth guy gets on my nerves. Steer clear of him. Um, here's Andy. You're on the run of Fez show. Mother always packs my grilled cheese in a big brown hashtag. That's my nutsack. John, you're on the run of Fez show. Yeah, uh, I was never a fan of Calvin and Hobbes, but, you know, now I am. The thing is, I love the voiceovers, but it, every voice that Pepper did, it's not that it, he didn't have the right feeling of the heart behind it. There was just something wrong with the actual voice coming out of his mouth. It was almost like there was something in his mouth. You know what was in his mouth? A hashtag, that's my last Took you forever to get to it, though. It's called dicks. a one-liner, not a 14-liner. It's <laughs> fucking run on goddamn sentence, dude. Al, you're on the run of fish ship. Hey, I got a spy report for you. Mm. Spy report? Good. I want to hear one. Spy report. NCAA, yeah. NCAA refuses to renew the license for the video games for the for the uh, football games. Yeah. Because they're afraid of, uh, of the... Uh, Lawsuits from the players. Well, they should. The players sh are being used in the game. They should be paid. It's crazy that they're not being paid. You can't use somebody's likeness in a game that you then sell for 70 bucks. Listen, you're getting an education, son. You don't want to make any money off this fucking superfluous fucking arbitrary video game. And by the way, they're, they're still using players from like the 70s and 80s. <laughs> yeah, they'll do you can play with OJ in 1969 there. Oh, no, I can't play, I can't play NCAA. Listen, baby, it's about Madden. It's fucking Madden, all right? That's I got to agree with matters. you 100%. The only problem is, you know, Madden doesn't have a wishbone. And there are times that you're like, I like to do the option. Oh, they'll be having this. I'm sure in this new, the new one they'll be having it. Have Why would they? Why would they run a wishbone? It's a fucking 1971 goddamn college offense. They'll do it. Is Madden coming out soon? The one with uh, Barry Sanders on it, I believe so. That's Madden 25. Ugh. We got a break again. Yeah.
We gotta break every five minutes now. <laughs> we can't not break. What do you want to do when we get back here? More Calvin and Hobbes? People don't seem to like my that voices. No way. Tomorrow we're going to be uh, playing the Wanda Sykes uh, a mess that we did uh, this morning. She's very, very sweet and incredibly funny person. She's very funny. Also very stylish. I don't know if any of you saw her. She had a lot of stylists, right? She was very stylish. Plus she had a team of people working on her before she came in. Really? Yeah. It's always the female um, funny people who do that. Guys just rolling out of bed. But females like to look nice even when they're funny. Hmm. Um, oh, the nanny was crazy for having a team of people around her. Yeah, she had like probably eight, nine people with her. Yeah. They just filled up the booth. We just board. put her makeup on like girl shy. Just <laughs> <laughs> hey, she wants to look good. They actually came out with airbrush foundation, so it's like in a spray bottle, and you like spray it on your face foundation. So it's like real, like you can actually even airbrush yourself. Yeah, in you real can life airbrush now. your physical body. They also make it for your legs. I don't know why anybody would do that. It seems excessive. Do you wear a lot of makeup? No, I don't. I put on like a little tinted moisturizer. What about you, Fez? You wear a lot of makeup? <laughs> no, I used to, but now I go all natural. Why don't you do something for your eyes? You know, why don't you do like a little girly stuff? Now, all those gays in there today, you weren't attracted to any of them? Um, there was a couple, but for the most part, no. No, it just wasn't, um... No, I, do, I wasn't turned on by most of the people in the gay crowd. Not even the uppity one? <laughs> uppity is such a great <laughs> it's, it's, adjective. Yeah, I think it's, it's just a, the opposite of great. Yeah, it's, it's like <laughs> leading us back to terrible. <laughs> fucking shit, man. That was like was something that was hated in the old civil rights days. That was the exact awful term that you would use. The oh. so feds hated that person. <laughs> so funny, right. and then and then we move the row over a little, and uh, Fez was like, "Oh, like, uh, and that's much better, right?" Or something, and he was like, "Well, no, not really, but it's fine." <laughs> Great, he I'm was glad. not happy at all. But it's fine now. He was sassy and never sold a laugh. I look around, the room would be rolling. I just see him like. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> Still can't see. That guy's great. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Saw my buddy Green Lantern there, though, today, too. That was cool. Hell yeah. He was in the house. Ezra was making the scene. Fuck yeah. Fogman? And you, how about your man? Fogman, yeah, he was yeah. there. <laughs> Did you get a little... No, no treat today. <laughs> but seriously, though, so, so generous. It's a good person. And when I'm not, because I don't go hand you weed. <laughs> of course you are. Jesus. What was on that open face sandwich? Hashtag that's my nutsack. <laughs> you know what I would like to get today? What's that? A little Timmy. I listen to what Millie Hatchet writes. You have a large labia. Hashtag, that's my nutsack. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know whether you're going to ever get over on a joke by using the term labia. This is the <laughs> setup. Menorah or Majora? Uh, we got to break. <laughs> we, have, we have to break. And then we'll be uh, right back. It's the Run of Fish Show. The Run and Fish Show on the Open Anthony Show. Serious XM. <laughs> You've been warned. 
It's Dish Network and The Hopper, available with AutoHop. AutoHop, it is genius, people. It's where you now, everyone's going to fast forward through commercials when you have a show that's DVR'd. But with AutoHop and The Hopper, now you just enable that as soon as you start watching your show. And you put down the remote. Let the hopper do the work for you. It's going to fast forward through the commercials and pick right back up when the show starts again without you having to hit fast forward and knowing when to stop, going too far, having to go back. The hopper and auto hop takes care of that. And it's only with the hopper from Dish Network. Dish Network, they have the primetime network feature where it records all the primetime as well with just the touch of a button. Then you watch everything completely come. Commercial free. The auto hop feature, it's perfect. It only comes with the hopper from Dish. Watch fewer commercials and more TV, all with the hopper from Dish. Call 1 800 Watch TV. That's to get the Dish Network today. 1 800 Watch TV. They have plans starting at just $29.99. That's 1 800 Watch TV for Dish. The Ron and Faye Show. Thursday. That means tomorrow is Friday. Which means Chris Stanley starts drinking early. Yeah. Fun, fun ass Fridays. Any closer to bottoming out when you're ready to ask for help? No. Damn it. Nope. I'm far away from a bottom. I've had a white ship waiting to hand you now for four years. Just <laughs> ready to put it in the palm of your hand. I'm strong. What's on your mind today, Chris Stanley? Uh, I got something here. Uh, Good. <laughs> a post-traumatic uh, stress disorder in the U.S. versus that in the United Kingdom. Only 17% of U- uh, United, uh, United Kingdom service members reported discharging their weapon compared with 77 to 87% of U.S. service members. 32% of uh, the U.K. guys reported coming under small arms fire compared with more than 90% of U.S. service members. Only 4% of British veterans have post-traumatic stress disorder compared to 17% in the U.S. So whatever British guys are doing, they're coming back with a lot less post-traumatic stress disorder. Well, you've already admitted they're not on the front lines as much as our guys. You're going to have a lot less post-traumatic stress when you stay out of these stressful situations. But if we had the if, if they were seeing the same amount of fire and firing their weapons as much as our guys, then I'd be like, hey, why are these two numbers off? But all the numbers are off. Yeah. It's it's strange I find it strange that these guys aren't going out there like the American like American soldiers. Why? It's not really, you know, 
they're probably not as aggressive about this as we are, as our military is. Well, being allies, you think they would be. Yeah, but no one flew, you know, planes into their buildings. Maybe this isn't the same deal for them. Maybe they haven't set nearly as many troops. We need to get all the facts before we go over these figures. Still. Still, yeah, you're right. Still, <laughs> the post-traumatic stress disorder is god awful. It's terrible. No, I agree with you, but you, but the initial numbers said that our guys are in the shit more than their guys. So a lot of people like I don't have it right now no. because I'm not there, <laughs> so I can't say hey. Yeah. Look at me, I'm beating the English at this because I'm not actually doing it. But if you were somewhere in the back, I'm sure the the same amount of stress problems are not going to be the same as if you are discharging your weapon and being fired at. Well, we kind of have a gun culture in our uh, military, too. So, I mean, it has to transfer the military a little. I mean, their guns are like banned over there. So, I mean, so you're saying that they they don't shoot their guns when they're in a in a military situation because they don't have the gun culture that we do. Maybe not as much. I mean, they're not putting themselves out there. I think that the guys that are being put out there is because they're ordered there. I can't imagine a lot of guys are going. What are you doing today? I'm going to hang around the tent. Well, me and a couple other dudes, we're going to go way <laughs> into the shit. You know, because we're from America, and that's a gun culture. It doesn't make a, quite a, uh, a bit of sense to me. But maybe that, that has an effect when they come back. Like, maybe uh, soldiers returning to the U.S. like have, have less re like fewer resources to deal with PTSD than do I, soldiers from the U.K. I need to hear from a vet, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. I've heard from three slackers, and their idea of this. <laughs> Uh, but here is Oscar in Texas. He's an Iraq war vet. Oscar, how you doing, my friend? Oh, very good, Ronnie B. Thanks for taking my call. It's my job. No, it's it's all about the AO or the area of operation. So the British get assigned certain you know certain areas, and they're just not as hot. They're either in southern Iraq or even in Afghanistan. They're just not real active in certain areas. Mm -hmm. So they don't so they don't see shit. You know, there ain't nothing going down. There. Yeah, I mean, the main guys that this happens to is the infantry, you know what I mean? you got to be up front for you to feel that incredible stress when you get back. Now, it doesn't always happen like that. They, they deal with some people who are hundreds of miles away and yet still suffer from stuff when they get well, back. Yeah, the problem is in Iraq and Afghanistan, there is no real lines. It's kind of more right. like just hotbed areas, and so you've got... You know, rear echelon people that maybe they're just running supply convoys, they're going to be in the shit because they're in bad areas. The whole fucking area there, once you step outside the wire, motherfuckers want to kill you. Jesus. So that's another reason for the stress. You live under that long enough, you live on your with your head on the swivel long enough, and it's tough to come back here. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just part, you know, different people handle it differently. All right, thanks so much uh, for that. Uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. We're in here with the cast of Calvin and Hobbes, the... Musical. Oh, I did not know it was going to be a musical, <laughs> but I am excited about that. I thought it was just going to be a straight animated feature. He's writing the songbook. Chris, where are you going? I see you going down <laughs> on your knees quite a bit over there. Whoa, whoa. I had to get, uh... 
Phone charger, of course. Oh. You know, I left here yesterday with almost an empty phone. It pissed me off. It's the worst feeling. I don't know. There's worse. <laughs> oh, no, um, being no juice? Being trapped like a bear trap slapping on your ankle is worse. I don't know. If I got no bars and my fucking chin's about to die, can't play Candy Crush, it sucks, dude. Um, here's Mike. He's also a, a war vet. How are you doing, Mike? Hey, good. How you doing, Mr. B? Hey, uh, quick on this is, uh, all comes down to numbers and, and support staff, like the previous guy was saying. These guys, uh, a lot of these uh, coalition countries will put a lot of support staff that support the history guys on the ground. Uh, the, the British guys, you know, they, they're in the shit too, especially in Afghanistan. They're taking a lot of casualties, but they're not putting the numbers or the percentage-wise of these guys on the ground in the direct fire. All right, yeah, that does. That's basically uh, what I thought as well. Uh, here's Ben. He's got another idea of it. Ben, how are you? Hey, Ronnie B. Hey, uh, a big thing. I work for the CJ9, which is a, a special ops branch. We worked with a ton of the Brits and the Canadians. But the big thing with them, they only do three to six month tours. The big thing with the U.S., we do anywhere from nine months, like minimum, to 18 months with an average of 12 to 15. So you're doing three and four tours for a year and a half. That's our big problem. Uh, and how long are you basically in it, though? For that that 18 months, how much would be in a dangerous area? The first, well, there, you know, you're never down. I mean, you are you get like three or four hours on a Sunday to kind of be to yourself. But where are you going to go? Um, I mean, we couldn't drink in country where the Brits and the Canadians, everybody but us. Um, so, I mean, you could go to, like, the rec center, which is basically uh, Internet, or you could go... Um, to your tent, but you really never have any time down where, like I said, those guys have more of a... We just didn't drink and stuff because they didn't want to offend a Muslim country. That, yeah. That's the whole reason behind it. And I was an officer, so we kind of, you know, in the loop that way. But, uh, yeah, that was the big deal for us. So you think uh, if we could keep these tours shorter, it would be easier for guys to come back? Oh, definitely. You know, and, and the one thing I had to do uh, when I got back, I actually uh, worked in New York and actually went to Dave's wedding. I was uh, a reservist who got activated, and I did four tours. And uh, uh, it was just, I go to the VA. They make you go every year for your checkup. And the big thing is, is uh, as an officer, I had to tell these guys, it's okay to go get help, you know. Uh, if, you, if you get, like, a, an arm wound, you're going to go get help. But there is such a stigma you know, and you right. just say, hey, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a lieutenant colonel. I was a major at the time. You know, now I'm, you know, retired. But it's like you have to do that. And there's just such a, especially in some of the southern states and things like that, you know, um, I was getting calls from people going, dude, so-and-so slapping his, his girlfriend around. So-and-so's got a knife out. And you call the chaplain, you call the unit, and, you know. But if, if we had the luxury, because it is an all-volunteer army, um, and, and with the Guard and Reserve anything anymore, nobody is a weekend warrior anymore. Um, most Guard units, you know, Indiana, Illinois, Oklahoma, Texas, um, those guys have been used over and over and over. Everybody's and over. going. Everybody's, Everybody's going. Everybody's going. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate it, you guys, and uh, I love your show. Thank you so much. Uh, if you get the chance, 
go over on the Interbank today and read this piece that our buddy Jerry Barca uh, wrote up um, about another friend of ours, Adams, and what he's doing for vets once he got home. And they're doing a lot of hockey. Hockey is the way to go. If you get the opportunity, send that on to some friends. Uh, here's our buddy, Matt, from Afghanistan. How you doing, Matt? Hey, Ronnie. How you doing, man? Good. How's things with you? Good. A lot better. Uh, I, You know, I was pretty fucked up for a while when I got back. And, uh, you know, so I felt like calling when you guys said this. But I was stationed with some British guys. And, you know, there's just some, like a couple things that are different that they do. For instance, when we would convoy, if we got hit, we would have a mandatory, like, three days off the road for recovery. And when I say got hit, like an IED. Mm-hmm. And um, you would never see those guys, the British guys that got hit. You wouldn't see them on the road again. And where me, it'd be like three days later, you'd be fucking saddling up and going again. So as soon so, as they had anything happen, they'd just yank those guys out? Yeah, I mean, for what the guys I was with, yeah. I mean, if they, if they didn't want to do it again, they didn't have to, where I didn't quite have the luxury. I mean, I could have phonied and said, you know, I can't handle this anymore. Which was probably the better idea. Probably I should have in retrospect. But, you know, if you didn't throw up a red flag, they'd put you right back on there. Now, you said it, you struggled a little bit coming back, Matt? Yeah, absolutely. I, You know, I've had to seek out help, but, you know, I wasn't sleeping at all. I was I was pretty fucked up for a while. I, uh, I don't know, just a lot of, like, I guess you would call them night terrors. Um, I was drinking a lot. Yeah. Self-medicating. Um, yeah, well, big time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, but, you know, like, I've sought out help. Uh, Brooke, you know, we're still getting married. And Good. She's helped me out a lot, yeah. She's been great. And it's been a rough one, and so I don't, I don't really know. I don't have any advice for anybody for coming back, but it's uh, it's not easy. Yeah. You know, like you touched on before, it's, it's fucking rough. Yeah, it's not. Well, why would it be easy? It's the weirdest thing. You're going from this one place where there's danger and, and you're living in it for a long time and then you come back here and people aren't even aware that that that, that that's a lifestyle that anyone lives i know? know and you know everybody wants to hang out with you your family wants to take you places and basically you're like leave me the fuck alone right but you don't want to say that you love everybody you love seeing them but it's just it's almost like people expect something out of you yeah so you know i love to hear you guys all right, my friend. Stop by and see us next time you're in the city, okay? Yeah, I'd love to. I love you, my man. Take care. Yeah, uh, that's Matt. Um, it was a good luck charm. He took Chris's sunglasses, too. The blue blockers. Yeah, a lot of good it did him. He's back, isn't he? Yeah, he came back with, with a lot of your habits. <laughs> and, but now he's doing well for himself. Sometimes I think it's in the glasses. <laughs> God knows it's gotten expensive enough. Uh, what else you got over there, Chris? I, I found this interesting. Um, Reddit calls itself the front page of the internet. And it's comprised of a bunch of forums, basically. They're called mm. subreddits. Um, they could be about anything. Um, sports or whatever, movies, whatever. So when you just go to Reddit on any computer, it'll have it'll post up its most popular ones. The, the front page will be comprised of what their most popular uh, subforums are. They just announced they're taking off Atheism and politics. So no more atheism posts or politics posts if you just go to Reddit.com. Their reasoning was they aren't being they're not good enough. It's just they're still very popular, 
but it's just infighting. So and it's just it's literally just negative fighting. So they're like, screw I, it. I can't disp- I, I I can completely get what they're talking about because people just attack on the internet these days. And with and religion and politics, right? Yeah, so. You're not changing anyone's views by being <laughs> mean to them. Or angry. Like when Fez was in here, and I know you cared very much about the Trayvon Martin case, right? Very much. I guarantee you, you changed zero minds because anyone who didn't agree with you, you started calling racist or you were just furious with. And I think we get to that a lot. Um, I wish that you would apologize to the shower bench. You know, the other night, I was taking your point of view and just jabbing a little bit with shower bench. Uh-huh. And it could be fun. You could disagree with someone without calling them names. You said she's awful. I believe that, yes. I'm still there. You believe that just because you disagree on a couple of things. A couple of political things. But not all things. Yeah, people go nuts on that, like, atheist subreddit. Like, you know, like... Like, I'm not obviously saying all atheists, but, like, they can just be so smug just about, like what they believe and they're not really discussing a lot like most of the posts are just like yeah i met my new girlfriend's mom oh she says she goes to church what an idiot like it's just a bunch <laughs> right. of that kind of stuff <laughs> what an idiot <laughs> well mary louise parker's gonna quit acting because of people being so mean online no she's not i know she said she is but yeah. she's not quitting it's too much money in acting and she's a star <laughs> She's a TV star. What she should do is quit reading anything about <laughs> weeds. You know what I mean? Stop going to message boards would be a lot better than not. And she's going to figure that out. Once those weeds residuals fucking dry up. Yeah. Once people stop buying the DVDs, you're going to be in deep shit, Mary. I feel like this just came about at kind of a bad time, though, because there's so much talk about like censorship on the Internet and like censorship in general by the government. And I feel like people are just like you know, kind of, like, upset about that to begin with. Well, uh, Reddit, I don't think anyone can accuse them of being censorship. What they're doing is saying, here's our product, and these things are unpleasant. (laughs) And we're putting them further back. They're not getting rid of them, right? No, no, just if... if They're not promoting them to unaware people. Exactly. So if you have a Reddit account, you can still have, you can read all the atheism shit you want. It's still there. It's just, yeah, not the default. Yeah, the words were, those two places just aren't up to snuff because they're just filled with, like, infighting and just people bitching and complaining. And even if they decide that we've had enough with this, that's not censorship to me, anyway. Because yeah, it's their product. there's other places that you could go on the internet for free. But, you know, it's like if Ben and Jerry's gets rid of their butterscotch. You can't act like, oh, you're trying to kill. (laughs) You know, that is their product. They are Ben and Jerry's, you know. And I could see Reddit's going, look, we put this up here. You can join for free. And you people are un-fucking-believably rude. (laughs) Yeah. They're, they, they, people just lose their shit completely. Just thousands and thousands of posts. Just going around in circles. We have nothing, nothing new is happening. Um, let's go over here to um, Steve in Florida. You're on the Run of Fez show. Steve. Oh, hey. How's it going, Ronnie? Good, man. Hey, yeah. I just uh, kept getting back to that Afghanistan and uh, Iraq thing. I, 
I think we got to give our Canadian uh, British brothers a little bit more credit. Uh, first eight nine years of the uh, Afghan War, they were down there in Helmand, and uh, they uh, they didn't have quite the number of troops, you know, as us as U.S. Uh, but they were in a very hot area, and uh, you can go to websites like uh, org and you can look up the numbers of casualties killed in action that they took uh, down there and uh, compare that to the Americans who had a much larger footprint. And uh, I, I don't know if it comes down to, like, the cultures of PTSD. You know, the U.S., we've gotten a lot better in the last few years of getting out there and uh, getting our soldiers help. Uh, but, uh, you know, maybe that's not happening over in Britain. And uh, the, other, the other thing is, I mean, as infantrymen, uh, and as an infantryman, uh, I mean, we we fought a lot. And uh, just just for me to hear that 80% of U.S. troops are saying that they discharged their weapons in combat, uh, I think you'd find a lot of us who disagree with that. And I, I do know the support... Uh, <clears throat> Support convoys and logistical convoys, they do come under fire a lot, IEDs. Uh, but really, I mean, you got a, you know, four-man truck or MRAP carrying eight guys. Uh, if they're discharging their weapon, it's one guy mm-hmm. discharging his 50 caliber, Mark 19. Uh, you know, if the guys might be discharging their weapons at Bagram Airfield at a range, uh, but they're not, they're not in the shit. I so, mean, yeah, this... Um do you think it's some people kind of misremember too? By the time they well, get back, I, would, I mean, without a doubt, there's a lot of you know, uh, you know, uh, kind of buffing up the chest and you know wanting to tell war stories and stuff like that. But uh, I mean, there's a lot of guys that did a lot of good things. I'm not just saying, just trying to you know say infantrymen are the only ones that, that get it done. That's that's bullshit. I mean, it's a it's a team effort, but. I mean, those numbers, I mean, without a doubt, are inflated. We have such a large logistical footprint running two wars mm-hmm. and also maintaining operations in Africa and, you know, everywhere else in the world. Uh, 80% discharge of weapons in combat, that's bullshit. There's no way. Those numbers are a little bit skewed. Why do you think um, a lot of guys won't get help with the post-traumatic stress? What is that about? Hey. It's one of those things, uh, you know, it's viewed as a career ender. I'm an officer. I got out, or I was an officer. I got out about a year and a half ago. And, uh, you know, you go out and you, you know, it becomes known that you're seeking psychological help or therapy. You know, it's kind of looked at as a mental, mental weakness. And, uh, the Army's done a better job about getting the word out that, hey, that's not necessarily the truth. And you need to go talk to somebody and you need to, you need to get help. But, Honestly, therapy is good, but the best therapy is just talking to your buddies about mm-hmm. it and guys that have uh, shared the similar similar experiences, and uh, that's the best kind of therapy. Just being able to willing willing to talk about it, you know, and not not view it as a weakness. Absolutely. Uh, so, um, anyways, if you get the chance, go over. It's on the iBang and also up on the New York Times. Our friend Adam of uh, putting together these hockey games. And it becomes a thing, of course, they're playing hockey, but later the guys afterwards start to share different things. And they find, like, doing something physical and then hanging out is a lot easier for them than sitting down and acting like, okay, we're a group and let's share stories, you know? Uh, Definitely, definitely, you know? And it is, 
recovery process is different for a lot of guys. And, sure. Uh, you know, every and you can have a platoon of soldiers, infantrymen that went through a firefight, and everybody's perception and their experience is going to be different uh, from what they've seen or where they were at or if they were pinned down or if they were in the back, you know, calling for fire. Whatever it may be, uh, 30 guys, uh, one firefight, you're going to have 30 different stories. That's just that's just the you know hard truth. Yeah, that's just the nature of it. Yeah. Um. All right. Thank you so much, my friend. Take care. Hey, love love the show. Thank you. Take care. Uh, let's go over here to Matt. Matt, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, I wanted to make a comment on the the changes on Reddit. Uh huh. I I grew up as a uh, true believing Mormon, as a Christian, a very active one. I served as a missionary for two years. Oh. I started kind of browsing Reddit for a short time. And as Pepper knows, uh, you know, Richard Dawkins, Christopher Hitchens, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Daniel Dennett, Sam Harris, they're all kind of gods on, on Reddit, mm-hmm. um, in yeah. the atheist subreddit. Um, and it was those little silly memes and quick quotes that, that started my transition in, in really exploring those different ideas, reading their books, challenging the beliefs that I held. I came out the other side of it about a year and a half later as, a completely resolved, at least agnostic, if not uh, a hardline atheist, because of those silly little memes. Um, I would have never seen those had I had to subscribe to that subreddit. And it has uh, been one of the most pivotal, uh, you know, changes in my life because those were on the front page. It really challenged me to question the things that I had believed, even though they're silly, even though there's infighting. And it, it changed everything for me. I, I, as, as, as trivial as it is, I think Reddit is, is one of the greatest things that ever happened to me because of those front-page posts. Thanks so much for that, Matt. appreciate you calling. Here's Seth in Colorado. Hey, yeah, uh, that 80% of uh, people discharging their weapons, that's, Chris's that's numbers. bullshit. Yeah. That is very skewed. And mm. a good way to uh, handle PTSD is just get stoned, man. I'm high all the time. Um. Uh, just marijuana are you drinking too? Oh no, I I mean I'm on uh, pills also like uh, Zoloft, but no drinking mm. because if you start drinking, it'll start fucking with the meds. But I mean I just it's legal. Go down, get yourself a uh, medical marijuana card, and hey, you just stay mellow and deal with what you got to deal with. All right, my friend. Take All care. right, brother. Uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Chris Stanley and his, um, well, I would say shadow right now. These two are as thick as thieves, Chris Stanley and Shelby. Chris, yeah. you've never had a son, and Shelby's never had a dad. True. <laughs> and But the two of you get together, and I just, there's something that happens. It's more than radio. It's blood. I like to say it's magic, but that's just the word I would use. You put this together, this bit of magic, a contest that's been running for two days, and let's take a a listen to it. You know the seven, don't you, that you can't say on television? Shit. Piss. Fuck. Cut. Cocksucker. Motherfucker. Tits. Seven words. Uh, seven words... Yesterday, we were told no one could do it. Then some people were fairly sure they had five. 
out of the seven, mm-hmm. six out of the seven. I listened time and time again, and the only one I'm sure of is Bells of St. Mary. And that's a beautiful, beautiful film. Not it. Not one of the seven films. Um, we've got a winner. Holy shit. There goes the bell. There goes the bell. We had to keep that board under the table. But he went seven for seven, and his name is Tim Puddens. And Hicks, why don't you read off what they all are? Woo! The seven films. Pulp Fiction, Shawshank Redemption, The Big Lebowski, South of the Lambs, The Exorcist, Scarface, Fight Club. Now that you give it to us, let's listen again. Let's listen one more time. You know the seven, don't you, that you can't say on television? Shit. This. Fuck. Cut. Cocksucker. Motherfucker. Tits. No, I still wouldn't get it. Even when you just <laughs> give me those titles uh, a second before. Tim, you deserve all seven of these prizes that are coming to you. It's the biggest prize pack we've ever given out. This guy is immediately a collector. So <laughs> yeah, one dude, seven prizes. Hey, did you get, um, what's your name, uh, to sign that book that I brought back in here today, too? Uh, that went down there. Spencer was going to get her to sign that. Okay. So I don't know if it's done yet or not. Well, it's always the best answers. I don't know. Um, as of right now, because I was going to throw that on top of it, but if not, forget about it. What I do know... Tim's a big-ass baller winner today. Yeah, I know. For getting all seven of these films. He's going straight to eBay. <laughs> no, no, no. Cherish. You hold them and you cherish them. I cherish the money I get from eBay. No, no, no. Well, hey, you know what? It's, it's his to do whatever he wants with. These are his, these are his yeah, now. It's not yours anymore. Yeah, these okay? are his. For once, Chris, yeah. you and your watchdog ways. <laughs> Look, man. I just want him to enjoy. I want him to enjoy. You know what I say to you? Yeah, what's that? Step off. Hashtag that's my nutsack. I was I didn't always stand on your nutsack, dude. <laughs> what the heck? What the heck? <laughs> She's so nice. So we do have a winner. Yeah, we finally have a winner. Now yeah. I got a new idea for you guys if you want to work on it. Okay. Eight words you can't say on television. I'm gonna figure out a new fucking curse word. <laughs> Puerto Rican. All right, you're racist. <laughs> you're seriously <laughs> racist. Come on, every single time. I'm very Shelby. good friends with a lot of Puerto Ricans. Classic Shelb. That was more vintage Shelb. Really? Because I got news for you. A very good friend of mine is Puerto Rican, and he doesn't like that shit. And he also doesn't like it if you shake hands and put the other hand in. He says that person is trying to take away your power. And he's serious about that shit. He does not like it. He almost fought a dude over it. He did. He was ready to throw down. Yeah. Because he thought they were trying to take away his power. So now I do it to him every time I say it. <laughs> I turn his hand and I push it down. I'm like, hey, I'm going to let you know what you can do. It just freaks him out. Well, does, if people touch you anywhere, does it ever bother you? I really, I don't think so. There's a thing that I notice whenever I watch the Tonight Show. Yeah. Jay Leno will take his hands and put it on his guest's shoulders all the time. So I'll be like, I'll do this thing. He'll be like, "You, all right, can you stay with us? And I'll just do this to them. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sure. I know he doesn't mean it wrong, but it looks like maybe the way people would treat a small animal that was near them. <laughs> 
he doesn't know the difference between the guests and zoo animals. <laughs> maybe, or maybe it's just me acting like that. But do you you never have any problem when people do stuff like that? Well, I guess maybe if so, from behind, maybe if fucking hands on the shoulders, like a goose. It's. Uh, do you uh, like it when a guy comes up and just rubs himself on you? No, I, that I would, would not enjoy. <laughs> I would not like that. Now, Fez, you normally have because Fez will get mad. I don't know whether you've got to take an elevator ride when other people get in. If they don't get into the same place as that's on a die, then he gets mad. What do you mean? Uh, if you're in the elevator, if two people get in an elevator, he wants you to be catty corner. If three people <coughs> get off and just follow each of the dice, yeah. four, everyone goes into a corner, huh. five, have to go in, six, it's two lines. Um, we had 14 in there the other day, because I don't know what you would do with it. But is there any kind of touching things that you don't like? Um, there is, it, it's, the, well, the closeness is definitely one of them. Also, a squeeze of the neck, if I don't... Doesn't that feel good, though? Not if I don't know it's coming. <laughs> yeah. Because then all of a sudden I just, you know, yeah. makes I, me want to just hit the ceiling like a cartoon cat. Let's just, like, we're in an elevator together. Let me know if I'm getting too close or... All right, that's that too, Yeah, that's and too What about close. Fish Oh, Korean woman from yesterday. See, a lot of people hate when you put your finger in them. I didn't even know I had that one. Yeah, you got a fish hook. <laughs> oh, I don't like it. Now, another thing that you probably, I don't know whether you like it or not, yeah. is you'll smell this. Does oh. it smell you at all? <laughs> yeah, that, that gets to me. Thing under? Yeah. Boy, I'll tell you, I just did that. I put my finger up to his nose. Yeah. The mustache is like a cat. <laughs> <laughs> well, you must really... Persian. Your angle is so far away from everything over here, and then you don't see Chris Stanley at all. No, no. You, you can't see now with that. the monitor, I have to like bend down to see Chris. When I went over to this area, I almost sat quiet for an hour and a half, two hours. Because <laughs> you're a good 15 feet away from the conversation. It's a vortex. So, the fish hooking bother you. Anything else bother you, Fez? Um, like any sort of, not that it happens a lot, but any sort of ear touching. I can't, oh, God, like if a barber touches my ear. That's what. I go, I freak on that's that. That's a sign of autism. I, sometimes you, it is. Autistic kids can't stand really? their ears touched, yeah. Now, Fez, why don't you just talk to me like, just act like you need to tell me something and we'll see if it bothers you. All right, I need to tell you something. <laughs> that bothers me because I'm trying to tell and I'm getting hit but with you, what, what you need to do is focus on what you got to do and not get into the pens. All right. So what I wanted to tell you, that, now that one was right so off now the head. You, you, you're not focusing, though. It's hard to focus because <laughs> they all feel like they're coming right at my eye. You know, Fez, after I fish hooked you, my hand stinks right now. Oh, you need a DMC. Yeah, there's something wrong with them. Like, why? It's bilish. There's like, there's something coming up. Out of, it's got to come from deep. Oh, God. Oh, no. You got to have your kidneys checked. <laughs> that might be kidney that problems. Deep. That's kidney problems you have. Um, a lot of things will drive you crazy along those lines, though. You're, you're noise sensitive too. I'm oh god, I'm so noise sensitive. I wish in this city they would enforce that three hundred and fifty dollar fine for honking, because it just j makes me jump out of my skin. And you would think, all right, New York City, you should really <laughs> be used to a little honking. Yeah, you should be. You will. 
you also have problems with high pitched uh, voices. Did you get the amber alert the other night? Did that like everybody did? Yeah, scared me so much because I was alone in my house. I thought it was my alarm. Honey, that's why I keep a flip phone. I'm not going to be bothered by that stuff. Mm But I think it's wrong when she's telling a story and then you give her the honey and just shut her down. Oh, I didn't okay. mean to do that. Yeah, no, let her right. tell her story. And when you do the honey to people, it's like you're down here and I'm up here. You're just the honey. Okay. Uh, yeah, we were all talking about that yesterday. I don't believe in the Amber Alerts. You don't? Well, I think you it it should only be alert if it's someone the kid doesn't know. The They're with the wrong parent. I don't see that as our business. Yeah, I think that that one was a mistake because I think like after that, a lot of people are going to turn off the Amber Alert, and then if it's actually something they can help with, then it's... Most of the Amber Alerts are, she's supposed to be with her mom, and her dad took her to the boardwalk. <laughs> they are. Unless I I'm mean, part of the Amber Alert, I don't want to hear anything fuck about it. Well, then no one's going to listen to your Amber Alert. <laughs> I care about an Amber Tamblin alert, like the actress, because I'm like, okay, we got to get out there and do something about this. And she wanders off anyway. <laughs> I mean, she struggles. We had her on the show once, and um, well, I was going to say when we were in New York, but I met on the terrestrial radio, and the fellas were all very excited about it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I know you wouldn't, because you're in a somewhat of a relationship. Yes. Uh, a very serious relationship. Seven years. Um, here's Chris. You're on the Ron and Fez show. What does Fez wish he had in his mouth besides Ron Finger? Hashtag, that's my next set. Okay, there we go. Uh, Steve, you're on the Ron and Fez show. This is me? Yeah, I think so, Steve. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, Baldwin and um, Along Came Polly rubbed his ears while he was taking a piss. Yeah, I do remember that. That's that's true. Uh, Joe, you're on the Run of Fed show. Joe. What's the roughest? Yeah, you, my friend. Hey, I know um, the seven uh, words that can't be said. You said the movies. Does Pepper know the exact quotes? I know the first one was. Could you slur them out again very slowly, Chris? Oh, hold on. Let me, let me... I'll grab that for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is the fr- Pulp Fiction, Shawshank Redemption, The Big Lebowski, South of the Lambs, The Exorcist, Scarface, and Fight Club. Say them with the words. Like, yes. which one is from Pulp Fiction? Shit is from Pulp Fiction. Piss is from Shawshank Redemption. Fuck is from The Big Lebowski. Cunt is from The Silence of the Lambs. I knew that one all Cocksucker the time. is from The Exorcist. Motherfucker is from Scarface. And tits are from what? Scarface. <laughs> Not Slaughterface. Scarface. Scarface. And tits is from Fight Club. Yeah, yeah. but what are they quoted from? What what what, what sentences? I don't know. Rent a DVD. I mean, All right, come on. Why is that about? <laughs> Why can't you let these people know? Why will you get angry? Show. The listeners. The tits drop is, is from when he's talking to Meatloaf, when he's talking about his giant bitch tits. Mm-hmm. Scarface... Motherfucker, he says it fucking a hundred times. I don't think so. The film. What she's the demon, she fucking says cocksucker. Silence of the Lambs, when right. she's talking to Hannibal Lecter, you smell my cunt. Lebowski, he, when he's talking to Donnie, when he, he says fucking fuck, when he talks to Donnie. Shawshank Redemption, when uh, Morgan Freeman gets out of uh, prison, he says, hey, you don't have to do and he's working at the uh, supermarket. They're saying, you don't have to say, you don't have to fucking ask me every time you gotta take a piss. Pulp Fiction. Shit. 
is when uh, he's talking to Marcel Wallace. Mm. That's 35 minutes into the movie, sir. 43 if it's the director's cut. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, you got to calm down, all right? This guy just want to know, Shelby. He just calm wants down. to know. He feels like he's being ripped off. He feels like you two guys are liars, that's all. Don't take it personal. Jesus. Can't believe this is the end of the show already. Yeah, man. We're heading out of here. Straight to Fun Friday. That's it for us, guys. I guess we're heading straight to Fun Friday. There's no stopping us. <laughs> no, there's, we can. It's time. It's time and space. Okay. Uh, no more contests is going on. Uh, maybe we'll come up with something tomorrow that you can win. You right, Fuzz? Yeah. Leg cramp. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well... That's why I tell you, don't eat your lunch and then go swimming. <laughs> oh, that's right. You didn't get a lunch. I could swim all day yesterday. Well, you ended up getting your your grilled cheese. Yeah, but then it was eat it in the booth. Instead of what? Instead of having lunch with everybody else. You didn't feel like part of the social circle? No, and then it was just, you know, and then I was rushed, so it was just wolfing it down. Why were you rushed? Well, because then I had other stuff to do. By that point, lunchtime was over. You don't have a real lunchtime here. <laughs> when you always uh, only work four hours a day, you don't get a lunch break. <laughs> it's weird seeing other people from like accounting, like, oh, we're taking our lunch break. It's very strange. That's why. That's why I say to them, you work too long. Then you won't need a lunch break. Well, Fez, tomorrow. Hicks is going to plan a party for you. Actually, we got to put it together your dinner. Yeah, that needs to get done. I owe another dinner. Did we decide what we're doing? I think we decided on Greek. But I just don't know where. Oh, uh, there's a really good Greek place near my house. We can go there. Good? It's really good. Better than actual Greek places in Greek town in Historia? There, there was an article today in the Post saying that the, all the Zimmerman lawyers went to celebrate at a, at a fancy restaurant in Manhattan. We should try to find out what that restaurant is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was on the Upper East Side. That's so what did they do? They went flying to New York to celebrate? Yeah, and they're just, just toasting, having a great time. Just fucking... I wish we were there at the same time as them. <laughs> well, Zimmerman was extra innocent. Yeah. He was just you not just, guilty. You just, that was part of your thing. Anybody got to plug anything before I get out of here? One of the sites I'm asked tomorrow. Two o'clock. Love it. That's it. Peace. And that's the end of my show. Donk.